Chapter 10 Galinda remained standing by the dining table after wiping it down. Her gaze unseeingly lingered on the freshly cleaned surface. Her right hand, still holding the cloth, rested on the tabletop's edge. To say that this afternoon had taken an unexpected turn was an understatement. In some ways, she'd relished the normalcy this strange situation had offered, but now she feared the likely fallout. To be entirely honest, she'd been rather surprised that Ulfaba had played along at all. With their guest gone, however, she wondered whether she'd inadvertently only put their relationship under further strain. She was to find out soon enough, she realized, when she heard Ilfaba shove her key into the lock. Blinking, she brought her vision back into focus. She clenched her hand around the wet cloth and pushed herself off from the table to purposefully march towards the kitchen. By the time her flatmate stepped into the room, she was engrossed in tidying the counter and sink. She made a point of ignoring Ilfaba as she stood in the doorway, leaning with one shoulder against the frame. Still, out of the corners of her eyes, she risked furtive glances to assess her mood. She wouldn't say that the green girl looked happy, but at least her expression was controlled and solemn rather than furious. That had to count for something. You do realize how ridiculous this entire show was, right? Galinda did her best to suppress the urge to look up at that unfeigned blissful indifference. If that's your attitude, I don't believe we have anything further to say to one another, she said simply, well, not simply, seeing as it took all of her resolve to not immediately start crying again. The shock of last night's argument sat deeper than she cared to admit. Unfortunately, Elfaba wouldn't leave her in peace just yet. What, what was the purpose of this little performance anyway? Are you treating this like a defunct marriage that needs to be perpetuated at all cost, its cracks concealed? Don't waste your energy. We are roommates, nothing more. Besides, no one would ever fault you for not putting up with the ill-tempered green freak. Not even Bok. Ounce knows he's been tempted to do exactly that many times over in the past. You see? There's absolutely no shame involved in calling it a day and ending our affiliation. When her lip began to quiver, Galinda turned around sharply, attending to the stove instead and re-cleaning the already clean cooktop. Taking deep breaths and counting to ten, she composed herself. Elfaba was right about one thing, this wasn't worth as much turmoil and pain as she was currently allowing it to cause. She only had to fully admit and accept it. Not that that was particularly easy when she was already more invested in this relationship than Elfaba had ever been. Why didn't you let Bok go when I gave him an opening to do so? demanded Ilfaba when it became obvious that Galinda had no intention of answering her earlier question. Did you merely plan to milk him for gossip, or were you hoping to fully turn him against me? I know that you have no genuine interest in him. Under ordinary circumstances, someone like him surely would be beneath your notice. Now that was an accusation the blonde couldn't stand for. Whirling around, she angrily tossed her cloth into the kitchen sink before bracing her hands on her hips. How dare you make such ignorant claims? You know nothing about my motives to know or even befriend someone. You will be surprised to learn that I'm not nearly half as shallow as you seem to think I am. I met Bok before and we chatted for the while, even though I had not the slightest inkling that the two of you were acquainted. Besides, do you consider yourself so much more interesting and noteworthy than your friend? I never realized how full of yourself you actually are. 
resigning her no reply, Ofaba let her head roll to the opposite side and silently stared out of the window for a while. Galinda tried to go back to work but couldn't find any more tasks to do. Just when she thought that she had no choice but to leave the kitchen and walk past Ilfaba to reach the stairs, the taller girl lazily pushed herself off from the wall and slowly made to return to her room. Watching her drag her feet down the corridor, Galinda contemplated various different phrases to shout her way, anything from insults to words of appeasement. In the end, conflicted as she was, she decided that none of them would do. On Saturday morning she woke hours earlier than she'd intended. Naturally, she tried to go back to sleep, but her attempts proved hopeless. Lying in her bed, staring at the ceiling, she thought with dismay about the weekend ahead. She didn't know what to do with Ilfaba and if it were an option, she'd just spend all of Saturday and Sunday right here in her bed. Or at least in her room. Not being able to help her the way she wanted and probably deserved was breaking Galinda's heart but hearing all the awful things the girl she'd previously considered her friend now hurled at her was more painful than she could ever say. Of course, unfounded personal attacks like this were never justified, and Galinda had every right to be angry. But truth be told, she wasn't half as angry as she should be. She'd always considered herself a reasonably understanding, sympathetic person. When it came to Alfaba, however, this understanding reached new and maybe inappropriate heights. She'd most likely let her get away with anything, as long as she could explain her behavior one way or another. Even if it was to her own detriment. She simply loved her too much. Yes, as ridiculous as it sounded, that was the exact word that promptly came to her mind whenever she gave her feelings towards the wayward green girl any deeper thought. Its exact nature, on the other hand, continued to elude her. Or was she merely telling herself that? Perhaps, deep down, she did know, and her alleged confusion over it was nothing but denial. After all, in light of the circumstances and facts at her disposal, it seemed like a foolish scenario to as much as dream of the two of them, together somehow. But what if it was true? Considering how increasingly irrational and fervent her need to please her seemed to turn. Quietly and clandestinely she'd begun to fear that, against all odds, she'd fallen in love with Ilfaba and that she had unwittingly allowed for her feelings to progress far beyond an ordinary crush. If that were the case, she'd be truly and properly in trouble. Be that as it may, whether her suspicions would prove to be correct or unwarranted in the end, she couldn't bear the idea of their quarrel dragging on indefinitely, eventually driving them apart for good. It didn't help that Ulfaba appeared rather indifferent when it came to the fate of their friendship. Any sort of unrequited affection was sure to make for a shaky foundation, no matter if actual romance was on the table or not. Galinda knew that she had a fair deal of work ahead of her if she wanted to salvage their relationship, and even more if she wanted it to eventually surpass simple cohabitation. The greatest challenge, besides Ilfaba's general resistance, was her determination to not make any compromises. There was no way that she could give Ilfaba what she wanted, which ultimately meant that reconciliation could only be achieved if she could somehow convince her that all her accusations were entirely unfounded and that, contrary to her belief, Galinda would do anything to assist her, bar that one single thing she'd asked for. And it would somehow have to be enough for Ilfaba. But how? What could she possibly do beyond those few, though not entirely insignificant things she was already offering? Already weeks ago she'd suggested that Ilfaba cancel her rental in Little Glicks to save money. 
Elfaba had dismissed the idea then, but since the situation had changed slightly, she might be more amenable to the idea now. After all, it would go a decent way in paying for the procedure. And Galinda, as the direct facilitator, might somewhat redeem herself in Elfaba's eyes. But. Putting it that way, her resolution wavered just the tiniest bit. Did this offer mean that she was going too far? Wasn't it about the same as paying for the surgery outright? Should she retract it instead? Her head hurt. All this brooding wasn't good for her, and she hadn't had breakfast yet either. She picked up her phone to check the time again and groaned. It was only five past six, which meant that barely half an hour had passed. What in OZ's name was one to do without any real prospect of more restful sleep? It seemed like her sole choice was to seize the day and make the most out of it. She got dressed in a comfy light pink track suit with rainbow print, brushed her teeth and pulled her hair back in a messy ponytail, then went downstairs. She wasn't sure what she hoped to find there, but what she got was a surprisingly empty kitchen and living room. Elfaba, she guessed, rather worked in her room now that things had gone south, just as reluctant to risk confrontation as she was. As she prepared herself a toast for breakfast, she noticed an empty cereal bowl sitting in the sink, accompanied by a half-empty mug of coffee. It was obvious then that Ulfaba was definitely already long awake and would not suddenly join her for her meal. Just as she wondered why she hadn't bothered putting her stuff away into the dishwasher, she detected the jingling of keys in the distance, followed by the thud of the door. Ulfaba had gone off to work. Slightly perplexed, Galinda turned her head and stared at the display on the microwave. 6.25. On a weekend. Now this was unusual. Galinda didn't see Elfaba again that day, nor did she see her on Sunday, though there were little hints that she left behind around the place that indicated that she still came back to sleep and eat. Even as she hoped that Elfaba spent at least some of the time away at her old apartment, simply to avoid contact with her. Galinda rather feared that she was taking on a ridiculous amount of additional hours to shovel in extra money. This is your fault, a small voice at the back of her head told her, but she shook her head and pushed the unwelcome thought away. On Monday she forced herself to get up early, yet once again, Elfaba was already gone. Frustrated that her effort had been in vain, the blonde inspected the house for clues. There wasn't much to go on this time a mug and a bowl in the dishwasher her missing jacket and shoes. There was one room she hadn't checked yet, but she was reluctant to even consider going there. It wasn't quite right. It was, however, still a long while until 9.30, when she herself had to leave in order to get to her architectural design class. With that much time on her hands, a curious mind, and nothing else sufficiently important to completely distract her, the little devil on her shoulder at length convinced her that this was her house after all and that she had the right to access every nook and cranny of it. And so she did. Opening the door to Elfaba's room, nothing immediately caught her eye. The desk was a bit of a mess, with several open books piled upon each other. Only at a second glance, she realized that Elfaba's laptop was buried underneath her biology text. She walked over to pick up the book, and a sheet of ruled paper fell out, along with a ballpoint pen. The paper was replete with detailed notes for the upcoming lecture, but if Elfaba's books, notes and laptop were still here, Galinda turned her attention towards the foot end of the bed, where her roomie tended to keep her satchel. It, too, was still waiting in its usual spot. 
Galinda all but sprinted from her architecture class to Dr. Dilliman's biology lecture. They'd finished past the hour again, but she wouldn't be late this time. And so she did, in fact, make it before the doors to the theatre closed. It took less than three seconds for her to realise that Alfaba had not. Her stomach churned anxiously as she stood rooted at the top of the stairs, staring blankly at the vacant seat in the left corner of the first row. Noticing a weird lump in her throat, she swallowed, but it wouldn't clear. From somewhere on the far right-hand side of the room she heard Fanny call her name, and heat rose to her cheeks in embarrassment when she blinked and realised that the doors had now closed and their professor was poised to begin the lecture. As quickly as possible, head held low, she scurried down the aisle. At first, she thought that she'd make it to her usual spot among her friends, but when she looked that way, the distance suddenly seemed too great to be bridged. She wasn't really up to enduring the searing sensation of hundreds of eyes following her. The solution was a simple one, Elfaba's seat was free for once, so this was where she headed. She pulled out her notepad, pen, and laptop, then waited for the lesson to start. All this had drawn the attention of Dr. Dillamond, who cast her a passing amused look before addressing the remainder of his students. Her final class of the day finished at five o'clock, after which she hurried home, expecting to finally find Ilfaba there. She didn't. The house was just as empty as she'd left it. Ozdamit, this girl was driving her insane. How could she still be out and about? How could she skip class, presumably in exchange for a few extra hours of work? This wasn't like her at all. For a few moments, she glared at the front door as though that might make it fling open at its own accord, revealing Elfaba on the other side. When it ultimately didn't, Belinda sighed and went upstairs. Without her housemate around, she had no good reason to use the living area as much and preferred the cosy confinement of her personal rooms. About an hour later, hunger lured her back down and towards the kitchen. Opening the fridge, she frowned. As long as their tiff dragged on, she couldn't exactly expect Elfaba to cook shared meals for the both of them. All the while, there were plenty of ingredients waiting to be processed anything from vegetables, to dairy, various sauces and a package of organic chicken that Elfaba had bought just for Galinda alone. She grabbed the chicken and a bottle of marinade. Frying some meat in a pan by itself was something she could manage. As a side she'd simply have a slice of bread for now. For now. What if this wasn't just for now? What if Ilfaba would never cook for her again? It was a dreadful thought that Galinda resolutely squished by viciously attacking the chicken with her small paring knife. The resulting pieces were anything but neat and equal in size, but she had other, more pressing concerns to worry about. Then, just after she'd transferred the meat into a skillet and added the sauce, the door opened and closed with a thud. She could feel herself tense. Her heart leapt into her mouth. For a moment she merely stood, listened, and gathered her courage to face Ilfaba. Last Friday, the day she'd last properly seen her already seemed like an eternity away. Did she even know what to say to her? Was Ilfaba at all ready to listen to what she had to say? Well, she'd have to approach her first to find out. She tiptoed towards the entrance hall and caught her right in the nick of time. Clearing her throat noisily, she stopped her from disappearing straight into her room. Ah, look what the cat dragged in, she quipped cheerlessly, folding her arms. 
She immediately regretted it when Ulfaba flashed her a cold glare through narrowed eyes and briskly turned her back towards her. Apologies, Your Highness, for disturbing your peace. I shall retreat to my rat roll at once. Don't you dare run away again, exclaimed Galinda, stomping down the corridor to prevent her almost certain escape. This appeared to confuse her flatmate. Instead of easily slipping through the gap and into her safe haven, she stopped to look back at her. What do you want? she asked impatiently, averting her gaze. Galinda could see her jaw flexing and her teeth grinding. She was already on edge, despite having exchanged barely a handful of words with her. Unsure how to proceed, the blonde tightened her grip on her arms, digging her nails into the wool of her thigh-length Angora jumper. What is it? huffed Ilfaba, rolling her eyes. Same cat got your tongue now? Maybe you should get a dog instead. Galinda let the stupid joke slide. No one was particularly funny or witty when overworked. And what exactly have you been doing those past few days? You leave the house before dawn and return late, only to barricade yourself in your room. You skipped class today. Which is none of your concern. But do not fret, I do intend to make up for my truancy right away. So, as you can imagine, I have much to attend to, and if there are no further questions. Galinda had no better response to offer but to frown at her. Scoffing, Elfaba was about to turn away, when she paused and cocked her head. What announces this smell? she asked, flaring her nostrils. Confused, Galinda followed her example and had a good sniff. Something smells burnt, but she couldn't really figure out the source before Elfaba urgently pushed past her and darted for the kitchen. After a moment's hesitation, she made to follow her. Shit. Galinda, what the hell? Galinda arrived just on time to watch Elfaba yank the pan off the stovetop and slam it into the sink, then turn on the faucet. Sweet Lurline, she muttered under her breath, I forgot all about the food. You don't say snarled Ilfaba. What were you trying to cook anyway? Charcoal with a side of molten lava. Feeling stupid and incompetent, Galinda chewed her lip and mostly avoided looking her way. Only belatedly did she realize how Ilfaba's tone of voice had somehow changed slightly. To the better, as odd as it seemed. Tentatively, she looked up, observing the green girl a moment longer as she got out a spatula and a swath of old supermarket catalogues. She started scratching and scooping, and removed the singed food from the pan to clean it. Eventually, Galinda was confident enough to step closer and offer her assistance. After all, it was her mess to fix. What exactly was this before you nuked it? asked Elfaba, wrapping up the paper parcel containing the charred remains of Galinda's meal and popping it into the bin. The chicken? Poor chick, she replied glumly and exhaled. I'm afraid it died in vain. The remark seemed so normal and offhand that Galinda almost felt compelled to laugh. Her lips did quirk ever so slightly, but within seconds, the lingering weight in her chest wiped any trace of a smile off her face. She dropped the scraper and the pan in the sink and irritably wiped her hands on the dish towel. Elfie, I really can't do this anymore. Do what? Cook. Just stick to sandwiches and take out, I guess. You'll be fine. Galinda stared at her incredulously, but the other girl ignored her as best she could. 
Giving her the benefit of the doubt, she only shook her head. No, you know fully well that that's not what I mean. Then what do you mean? Frustrated, Galinda struggled not to descend into a huff. Was Ilfaba testing her? Isn't it obvious, she cried and began waving about with her arms. I mean this whole situation. Us. Like this. It's unbearable. Elphaba turned suspiciously quiet in response, bowing her head. Yes. She replied at length. I, I guess you're right. It was unfair of me to wait and force your hand. What? Galinda didn't understand. I'll. I'll take the first step, okay. I'll pack my stuff and leave. I won't make you ask. No, Elfie. Gosh. There must be another way. All I want is for us to be friends again. Scoffing softly, Ilfaba let a faint, sad smile play on her lips. I don't see how we could be. Not right now. Who knows, maybe in a couple of months from now, once everything is said and done and the dust has settled. If you're able to forgive me that is. Forgive you, repeated Galinda. There's nothing to forgive. Says the girl who accused me of murder mere days ago. It began to sound more like a sneer now, and Elphaba's expression once more turned grim and apprehensive. I certainly did not, protested Galinda, utterly perplexed at how their conversation could possibly have taken such a rapid nosedive. You consider the embryo a human life. I intend to end this human life. By this logic, what else would you call it? Galinda faltered and stumbled over her words. Well, I don't know. I never. Of course you never, roared Ilfaba because you're too busy reveling in how wonderful your life is. But there are people out there who are less fortunate than you. And we have real problems that sometimes require drastic solutions. I apologize if those solutions do not easily fall within your comfort zone. But if you're unable to adapt, may I suggest you refrain from venturing past the boundaries of your beautiful bubble of blissful ignorance and seek less problematic friends elsewhere? Galinda blinked. This isn't about my forgiveness at all, she realized. This is about whether you will be able to forgive my lack of empathy, my refusal to help the way you'd like me to. Elphaba brought her hand up to pinch the bridge of her nose. It doesn't matter. I'm sure we're both equally right and equally wrong at the same time. But the fact is, that there's no middle ground and no way to reconcile our differences. It would be better for both of us if we just stayed away from each other. With that, she pushed past Galinda and fled the kitchen. Baffled and heartbroken, the blonde knew nothing better to do but stare after her as she disappeared around the corner. There was no communication or even communication attempts until Tuesday night. I'll take over lab duty tomorrow, Elphaba declared in one single, austere text. After reading it, Galinda typed out dozens of different replies, until she settled on a plain OK. The thought of accepting and respecting Elphaba's desire for solitude did cross her mind, but within seconds, she arrived at the conclusion that she would definitely do no such thing. She put away her textbook and set her alarm, then pulled the blanket up to her chin and snuggled in for a night of uneasy sleep. Her arrival at the bio lab played out about the same way she'd expected, Elphaba took one bewildered look at her, then turned away and continued her work as if she was still on her own. 
After casting a brief glance at the list on the teacher's desk, Galinda disappeared into the storage room to fetch test tubes and holders. She'd give the other girl a chance to get used to her presence before pouncing on her. After a couple of awkwardly quiet minutes, she made her move. Distributing pairs of pipettes, she gradually worked her way around to the trolley where Alfaba sorted through the petri dishes with the E. coli cultures from last week's lab session. You know, she said, feigning nonchalance, I think you're wrong. Alfaba sighed-eyed her and snorted indignantly. Of course you do. That's the root of the issue, isn't it? No, exclaimed Galinda. I don't mean the abortion. S-H-H-H-T, hissed Ilfaba and pressed a hand to her lips to silence her. How about you shout it from the rooftop, H-M? Sounds like a good idea? Galinda's cheeks flushed for more reasons than her embarrassment. Sorry, she whispered, giving her an apologetic look. Having lost her footing in this conversation, she moved on to start her next task of retrieving the premixed transformation solutions from the fridge. So, so what I did mean, she said a bit later, resuming where she'd left off, was that you're wrong about our differences being insurmountable. There always is a middle ground. Both parties merely need to be willing to accept compromises. And how do you expect me to make compromises? Terminate half of the pregnancy. Why do you always have to turn everything I say into ridicule, snapped Galinda. Do you really think of yourself as superior? Elfaba promptly redirected the same energy right back at her. Then how about you stop making ridiculous suggestions, she retorted before stomping off towards the drawers on the other end of the room to grab a couple of bags containing little plastic tubes, filled with liquid. Galinda waited for her inevitable return before replying. My suggestion is not at all ridiculous, if you'd only hear me out. Look. You deem abortions unethical. I am going to get an abortion. The divide between our opinions is too great. You're right. I don't like the concept very much. But there's a fine but important difference between the act itself and the individual case in which it may be warranted. You see what I mean? No. I'm afraid I don't. It all sounds like justification gymnastics to me. Shaking her head, Galinda took a bag of tubes from her. Reading the label, she tried to figure out what to do with them. These are the Cas9 plasmid solutions, explained Ilfaba grudgingly as she ripped open the first bag. Just put one in each test tube holder. Both girls started from opposite ends of the classroom. When they met near the middle, they accidentally both tried to insert their last tube into the last empty holder. Their hands brushed against each other and Ilfaba quickly retracted hers, averting her face sharply. You go ahead then. I'll put this one with the unopened bags under the trolley. Elfie. I need you to understand that I really have absolutely no quarrel with you personally. Even if you go through with this procedure. All I ever really rejected was my personal involvement in all of this. So, just in case you're unsure whether my offer still stands, considering everything that has transpired the past few days. It certainly does. I think it would be a great idea for you to cancel your contract for your old apartment and live at my house rent-free. This way you'd save up plenty of money in no time at all. She watched as Ilfaba shifted anxiously on the spot. I'm not comfortable with this. 
especially since the lack of your support is the very reason why I need to gather such a large sum in the first place. How do you expect me to fully rely on your support in order to raise it? But I am trying to support you, Galinda asserted urgently. Only, I need to do it in my own way. The outcome would be the same. Don't you understand that? If you're so hell-bent on supporting me, then why are you so hung up on semantics, demanded Ilfaba. And why, for goodness sake, are you so hung up on the details of how exactly I'm trying to help you? Neither of them had noticed exactly how loud their argument had gotten until the door to the lab opened and Dr. Dillamond poked his horned head through the small gap, looking back and forth between the two of them. Is everything all right, Miss Ilfaba? Miss Glinda? Elphaba gave Galinda a stern and reproachful glance before apologizing to their professor. The blonde blushed furiously and remained silent. It didn't come as a surprise when she returned home in the afternoon and the house was once again empty. The effect of her call remaining unanswered was all the same deeply upsetting. Her eyes misting over with the precursors of tears, she kicked off her shoes and carelessly left them behind in the corner. She rushed upstairs and huddled up under the plush duvet wrapping it firmly around her body. It was a poor substitute for the touches and embraces she really craved, but she supposed she was never going to get any of those, not from Alfaba anyway. Who knew how long it would be until someone else came along who might be worth a second glance, let alone more. Exhausted from the early morning start and the emotional chaos of the past few days, she ended up falling asleep. When she woke up the following morning, she'd made up her mind. My experience was really great. The staff were extremely helpful and comforting. I felt very comfortable and respected. The staff was so lovely and understanding. Very happy with my experience. I highly recommend the services at this place. Everyone was very kind. Galinda nodded to herself, took out a pen and jotted down the address, phone number and email. Hey there. Startled. She jumped and smashed down the lid of her laptop. Fire-o. What are you up to? He chuckled. Looking at something cheeky. What? No. I was just. Dragging a chair over from a neighboring table, he flopped down next to her, straddling the seat backwards, his arms crossed and leaning on the backrest. No worry, just kidding. Hey, er, uh, did you do the homework for Arch? Galinda chuckled. Well, sort of. I'm a bit snowed under, so I did the bare minimum, I'm afraid. Fair enough. To be honest, I didn't do any of it, but it wasn't for the lack of trying. I just never used this software before and it's giving me a headache. Would you mind giving me a quick demonstration? Offering him a taut smile, Galinda traced the outline of her computer with her forefinger. I'm a bit busy right now. His shoulders slumped in disappointment, triggering feelings of guilt within her. Well, I'm free tomorrow though, she added hastily and forced her smile to widen. You can show me where you usually get stuck, and I'll show you how to do the whole thing from beginning to start. Sounds okay? Yeah, sounds great. Where shall we meet? Your place after class? She paused to think. Maybe inviting guests over wasn't the best of ideas at the moment. I got a pretty late bio lecture at four. That's three hours of downtime between March and March. 
How about we meet at the library? I'll try and book a meeting room. Thanks. You're a lifesaver, grinned Fiero as he stood. I'll grab us some smoothies from the stand on Union Square, okay. What flavor do you like? The one with blueberries, bananas, and coconut. I forget the name. No worries, I'll find it, he laughed, winking at her as he left. Galinda watched him for a moment before reopening her laptop. She closed the browser window and pulled up her badly completed homework project. Casting a glance at the time in the lower right corner of her screen, she wondered how much she could possibly improve on it in the remaining 15 minutes till class. She came back late after running a number of errands downtown. Without wasting any time, she made for the dining table and sat down there, dropping her tote bag on the chair next to hers. She pulled out her pencil case and a pack of envelopes, of which she only needed one. And a brand new stack of large, yellow sticky notes. Her gaze returned to her bag. For a few moments she stared at it intently, remaining doubts rearing and protesting their discontent. She'd ignore them and do what she had to do. It was her only way forward and out of this plight. Blowing a long breath through her barely parted lips, she delved with her hand deep into the small zip compartment. She produced a thin bundle of notes and hastily stuffed them into the envelope, followed by the folded sheet from earlier that day. Next, she grabbed the sticky notes. Worrying her lip with her teeth, she contemplated what to write. She took out her favorite pen, glared at it, then swapped it for one she never used. Ever. She started putting words on the square paper, but ripped it to tiny shreds. When she started anew, she wrote in print rather than her usual handwriting. Reviewing the finished product, she gave a feeble shrug. She supposed this was the best she could do. With one swift motion, she picked up the sticky note and pressed it to the envelope. Her heart hammering hard in her chest, she delivered the package to Alfaba's desk. Now the trick was to forget about it all, to erase every thought of it from her memory. This had never happened. She'd never heard of any money and what envelope. She certainly didn't know anything about any of this. Instant pasta was her early dinner. She took it all upstairs and didn't return the empty bowl and used spoon until the next morning. Busying herself with her latest architecture assignment, she tried not to listen for any signs of Ilfaba's return. Before bed, she watched pointless WizTube videos and combed her social media for some proper, juicy gossip, hoping her dreams would leave her poor guilty conscience alone. It was Friday night. The knock on the door of her upstairs bedroom almost scared the living daylights out of Galinda. This was highly unusual, utterly unexpected, and she didn't know how she felt about it at all. Coming, she called, her stomach knotting and tightening. She put her book down and thrust the blanket aside. She covered the few short steps to the door as quickly as she could, lest she get cold feet and change her mind. Schooling her face, she put her hand on the doorknob and twisted it. Hey, she said, the corners of her mouth twitching slightly. Hey, echoed her roomie, only quieter. Do you, she cleared her throat, want to come in? Elfaba shook her head briskly. No, I just... Galinda watched her gaze wander off to the side. Her right hand came up to her arm to scratch it anxiously. Shall we have a cup of tea downstairs, she suggested, and Elfaba once again declined. Look, I... 
She ran her tongue over her lips. I know I shouldn't ask you this, but I went to this clinic today. Galinda sucked in a sharp breath. Her eyes went from Elphaba straight to the floor. She'd feared that something like this would be the reason for her surprise visit. The arrangements have been made, but they stressed that I'd need someone to pick me up afterwards. She paused, scratching her nose. And no, I asked, but taxes don't count. Galinda nodded mutely, without lifting her head. How had she not seen this coming? What a thoughtless oversight. She opened her mouth, then closed it without saying a word. No, she really didn't need to insult Ulfaba by asking whether she could think of anyone else to do her this favor. If that were the case, she certainly would have. So, she finally looked up to face her and mustered a weak smile. She reached out, gently placing her hand on the taller girl's upper arm. Okay, she said simply and gave her arm a little reassuring squeeze. Elfaba's eyes widened slightly as if she'd barely dared to hope for such a reply, then softened as she nodded gratefully. She covered Galinda's hand with her own and patted it before turning away, wishing her a good night. Galinda cradled her hand against herself and felt heat rushing through her chest and flushing her face. She couldn't remember any contact between them feeling this intimate and profound. Under better circumstances, she would have been giddy with joy. Elfaba was in the kitchen when she came downstairs the following morning. Galinda approached her cautiously, worried she might disturb the fragile peace between them. May I cut in, she asked quietly, with a shy smile on her lips. Her roommate looked up at her for a split second before coughing uneasily and training her eyes back onto the plate in front of her. I'm actually not allowed to have breakfast. I'm just making a sandwich for, after. Her voice trailed off. Her hand stilled. Her eyes were most definitely not seeing the bread she was buttering. Galinda told herself that she hadn't noticed any of those subtle gestures and stoically walked over to the pantry to find herself a bag of tea and a cookie. When, when's the appointment? Eleven. Oh. Okay. Do you, I mean, each time I offered to accompany you, you declined, but since you need me to pick you up anyway. I'll be fine taking the bus, answered Ilfaba. Unless, well, you insist. If you promise to not hold it against me. Yes, I do. They left the house half past ten o'clock. Ilfaba carried a small gym bag-looking thing, supposedly containing everything she'd need for the next four to five hours. Galinda had packed a couple of things of her own and put them in a paper bag in the boot of her car. Though they had agreed that she was not to come upstairs to the clinic until it was time for the pickup, she wasn't sure whether she'd feel comfortable enough to simply drive off and go back home or pass the time somewhere else in town. Are you sure you got everything? she asked, purely out of the need to say something, but with her mind coming up completely blank. Elfaba gave her a particular kind of look, eyebrows raised, and that was that. No more than a dozen words passed between them for the remainder of the journey. The drive couldn't have been longer than 15 minutes, but to Galinda it might as well have been hours. Each delay at a traffic light or roundabout challenged her patience and resolve. Her fingers drummed against the steering wheel. How in ounce was she supposed to endure the actual weight once she'd dropped off Ulfaba? There was a park opposite the clinic with plenty of empty parking spaces. No one wanted to see dead flowers and lacklustre grass in winter but Galinda thought it looked like a spot that would be popular in summer or spring.
She rather surveyed the leaf-sprinkled lawn and chopped back rose garden, imagining them in their prime than gazed the other way at the red brick building with the white accents and columns. Only belatedly did she notice that Alfaba could have gotten out of the car the very instant they'd stopped. But she hadn't. With about as much curiosity as trepidation, she slowly turned her head to give her a glance. Take your time, she said, feigning calm, her eyes already trained on the surrounding landscape again. Take as long as you need. I'm I'm sure they're used to this kind of thing here. They were very nice to me yesterday, Elfaba replied after a moment's hesitation and took a breath. Too nice maybe. Strangely enough, I almost felt less insecure when Nurse Kersey at the community clinic peered at me like I was a piece of dirt under her manicured fingernails. At least her attitude gave me something to rebel against. The confession made Galinda gasp and turn around abruptly, grasping Elfaba's hand with her own. Gosh, Elfie. I'm so terribly sorry for everything I said when you came home that night. No matter our differences in beliefs, I should have kept my mouth shut and said nothing rather than fuel the fire. It was thoughtless of me to not take into consideration what you must have gone through there. Elfaba's hand twitched a little, but contrary to Galinda's fears, she did not retract it. I don't know. I reckon you might have tried staying calm if I hadn't. Her lips suddenly pursed inwards as she realized that she'd almost mentioned something she'd agreed not to. This time, her hand did move, and Galinda was forced to give it up. Bringing it up to her face Elfaba rubbed at her eyes. Listen, said Galinda, no one deserves to be treated badly no matter what. You deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. If the staff here are nice to you, it's only because they are used to it all and know that the stigma and everything are nothing but a pile of crap. Here, here, Elfaba chuckled sourly and scoffed. Well, I suppose they also get paid a bit better, added the blonde, hoping that making light of it took some weight off her previous comment. Elfaba did, in fact, smile for a millisecond. Time passed, eleven o'clock came and went. Elfaba barely moved as much as a little finger. With her left hand on the door handle, her bag slung around her shoulders, she looked like she was ready to hop out any moment, only she didn't. Eventually, her phone rang, and she grudgingly pulled it out of her jacket before cursing under her breath. Galinda couldn't decide between encouraging her to go or telling her that it was okay to pull out at the last second. In the end, she was glad that her inner conflict raged long enough for Elfaba to make up her mind first. Let's, just go, she muttered, at long last releasing the handle and burying her head in her propped up hand. Galinda stared at her, stupefied. You mean? Just drive, snapped Elfaba as she slumped back into her seat. I'll... I'll call them later and make another appointment or something. Ah, uh, yeah. Sure. Galinda started the car, casting repeated glances her way. So, homewards? I don't care, answered Ilfaba, sounding terribly deflated. Galinda nodded and pulled out of her parking bay not knowing whether to laugh or cry. Right in front of Ilfaba at least, she resolved to do neither. Chapter 11 Sitting on her bed, reading through the printout draft of her history essay on the Great Drought, Elfaba found it difficult to get past the first two paragraphs. It was quiet, she realized. Too quiet. 
It was the Friday before mid-semester break and Galinda had gone out with Shanayan Fanfan and the rest of their annoying clique. That in itself wasn't unusual or bad. What really startled her was the sudden awareness of how awfully unaccustomed she'd become to solitude. For the past two weeks, their cohabitation hadn't at all been the way it used to be before their big fight, but they'd somehow agreed upon an unspoken truce. They were cordial with each other, bordering on friendly, and Elfaba had taken up the chef's hat once again, shopping for and cooking their meals. Dinners were that one time of the day when their conversations, their banter, and all the small interactions between them felt almost normal again. At least until Elfaba eventually returned to her room, and Galinda stayed behind to clean the kitchen before also disappearing upstairs. They hardly spent time in the living room these days, but ran into each other just often enough to not feel lonely. And in between, Elfaba would hear Galinda talking loudly on the phone or listening to music with her speakers on a volume high enough to suggest that it was not an accident. Occasionally, Galinda would find an excuse to poke her head through the ever-open door of Elfaba's room and talk to her. All in all, knowing and feeling that her roomie always was around and keeping tabs on her was shockingly comforting. Sometimes she couldn't help but wonder if that, too, was intentional, and whether the blonde had deliberately put her social life on hold, solely for her benefit. Such a line of thought rather distressed than consoled her though, and she'd simply shake her head at her own overactive imagination and move on. Galinda had already done much more for her than could be expected, but even her benevolence and altruism had limits. Thinking of extraordinary favours. Elfaba put her essay aside and reached under the pillow, producing a blue envelope. She still remembered vividly how she'd unsuspectingly opened the loosely tucked-in flap after finding it sitting on her desk. She'd been rather confused as she'd pulled out a wad of cash certainly more than she'd ever physically held in her hands before. Only after hurriedly stuffing the money back whence it came from, had she paid any heed to the sticky note attached to the envelope. This is a gift, not a loan. Don't thank me. Don't ever speak of it. The message had astounded her more than anything, though at a second glance, it definitely made sense. Then, she'd noticed a small, folded piece of paper that seemed to have tumbled out along with the notes. Upon closer inspection, it had revealed the details of a private clinic. A recommendation, she'd supposed or in order perhaps, seeing as it was more or less tied to the necessary funds. But she'd never ended up using any of the money. The initial consultation, as well as the cancellation fee, she'd paid out of her own pocket. After all, she'd accumulated at least some savings from working all those extra hours. For a short while following her cowardly last-minute cop-out, she'd told herself every single morning that she'd call the clinic sometime after school to make a new appointment, until she'd eventually realized that she never would, and that her change of mind that day had not been cowardly, nor a cop-out. It had been a decision she'd played with all along but never dared to entertain in earnest. The supposed delay had served as a necessary step on her way to accepting that this was what she truly wanted. Well, mostly, that was. She wasn't entirely or passionately convinced that either option was the best to choose. In fact, both of them probably were the wrong decision to make with no right path anywhere in sight. It had all gone haywire from the very point when she'd fallen pregnant, and that was something an abortion would not be able to erase. Because she'd never be able to forget, and never not feel like she'd miserably failed this test life had presented her with. Her father would, with a mix of pride and horror, 
she imagined, declare that she'd chosen penance. He'd never kept it a secret that he considered his imperfect daughters a misfortune inflicted by the unnamed God himself, a challenge he needed to rise to in order to atone for his debaucherous sins. To Alfaba, who'd lived through this horrendous experience and suffered disproportionately compared to her sister, the notion was pure nonsense, of course. She'd never make it a child's burden to personify her own transgressions. If anything, she'd see them as the one decent thing to have come out of the mess she'd created for herself. Though she couldn't say that it was pure maternal affection that had persuaded her either. It had been more of a gut feeling, an intangible connection, perhaps paired with a bizarre and misplaced sense of curiosity. What had finally, irrefutably changed her outlook on the matter had been an unexpected bout of selflessness which she may or may not come to regret at a later time. It had followed then, that the impossibility of her situation as assessed earlier, wasn't quite as absurd after all, once ego and dreams had been set aside and priorities re-evaluated. As she settled on smaller, more modest goals, integrating a child into her life was nowhere difficult enough anymore to entirely dismiss the possibility of carrying a little throp to term. And so the decision had been made. From that moment forward, she'd avoided thinking about it as much as she could, and tried to focus on the future. But most of all, she'd tried to convince herself that she was allowed at least a small breather, a period of relaxation before she needed to seriously start reorganizing her life and plan her next vital steps. She hadn't discussed any of that with Galinda yet. Technically, she didn't have to, especially if she could find a way to secure a suitable living space for herself and the kid before their arrival in about seven months' time. Yet then again, she supposed the blonde was still left in a limbo of uncertainty, which was rather unfair. Maybe it was time she raised the issue. Maybe along with the other problem that had been bugging her. Her thumbs brushed across the smooth paper of the envelope. Seeing as she no longer had to pay for the procedure, Ulfaba had initially resolved to return the money to Galinda, yet every time she looked at the little sticky note, her doubts would flare. Insulting or offending her generous friend was far from what she had in mind, so keeping it for the interim had appeared to be the safer option. She'd symbolically sealed the flap, as she felt she had no inherent right to the money, which had been given to her for a specific purpose. But wouldn't Galinda be even happier for her to spend it on baby paraphernalia instead? Did she actually need to raise the topic? Should she? I'm back. Galinda's sing-song voice struck Elfaba like lightning. Intuitively, she jolted up and concealed the envelope. Sure enough, the girl marched straight into her room barely ten seconds later. Elfie! How are you doing? Did you miss me? Just, just been working on my assignment, replied Ilfaba, picking up the pages and showing them off as proof. Oh, I should have stayed at home as well, sighed Galinda dramatically before letting herself drop onto the bed next to her. Shunshun found herself a boyfriend, she went on to explain. You see, I'd be endlessly glad for her if you were a decent catch, but that bore of a man wouldn't keep his eyes off me all night. And can you believe it, she didn't do anything about it either. Now I don't know what to think. Should I feel bad for her or be outright furious? Needless to say, I couldn't be happier the evening is over and I'm back home. Elfie, why are you staring at me like this? You're, ah, uh, sitting on my bed, Elfaba said after a clock tick, sending Galinda into a fit of giggles. Well, Elfie, it's not like this room has a couch. The laughing stopped promptly, 
and Galinda looked at her with wide eyes. Elfie! Do you need a couch? I'm sure we could squeeze one in here. A small one at least. Wouldn't that make the room a lot homier? Exactly how drunk are you? wondered Ilfaba out loud, one eyebrow quivering, her lips forming a lopsided grin. No, you're right, Galinda nodded, her expression immediately turning thoughtful. We need to save space for the crib and all. Elfaba's mouth opened and closed at its own accord, but she ultimately remained speechless. You haven't really thought this out yet, Elfie, have you? said Galinda, smiling gently and reaching out to tuck a strand of raven hair behind a green ear. Elfaba couldn't stop the heat that rushed to her cheeks. No, I have, she replied, though haltingly. I just didn't think that you. We never even talked about my final decision. What is there to talk about? I thought it was all rather obvious. I didn't expect that you out of all people would bail out of your appointment for no good reason. You're one of the bravest people I know. And when you didn't ask for another ride the days that followed. Well. Feeling dizzy at the rush of her friend's words, and even more so the intensity of her gaze, Alfaba pushed herself off from the bed and relocated to the chair instead. The distance helped somewhat as she tried her best to reorganize her thoughts. I'm not that brave, actually. Nor as decisive as I'd like to be. In fact, a lot of this decision seems to be based on indecision. You sh shouldn't tell yourself that, admonished Galinda mildly. It's my personal opinion that it's the exact opposite way around. You subconsciously felt pressured to get your life back on track and live it the way a modern, independent woman should. A noble intention. But deep down, you knew from the beginning that this path wasn't right for you. I think to consciously not make a statement in honor of progress is much harder for you than to go with the flow and make more conservative choices. Drawing a sharp breath, Elfaba shook her head. You only believe this because it fits so neatly into your narrative. That doesn't make it true. And only because you are inclined to think badly of yourself, that doesn't make it true either, countered Galinda without missing a beat. Elfaba recoiled as if she'd been insulted and turned up her nose. What do you know? We've been sharing this house for, what? Nearly two months. While I've been living with myself for. She was cut off by the pillow hitting her square in the face. She definitely hadn't seen that coming. You don't get to argue about this, cried Galinda and snickered heartily while Ilfaba, ruffled and anxious, combed her fingers through her hair to straighten it back out. She watched Galinda leaning back and grinning in triumph but her eyes quickly honed in on the newly exposed blue envelope. It didn't take long for the other girl to take notice and follow her gaze. The smile on her lips froze. Elfaba fidgeted, slightly swinging her swivel chair left and right. I didn't know what to do with it, she offered after a long pause. Do. Do you want it back? Galinda swallowed hard. Of course not, she pressed out before grabbing the black jumper hanging across the headboard and tossing it on top of the envelope to cover it. Neither of them spoke for a while, until the blonde took a deep breath and exhaled shakily. Would it be terribly naive of me to hope that by facilitating your move towards the termination, I also indirectly facilitate your decision not to do it? Slowly scratching the back of her neck, Ulfaba considered that for a moment. She'd never thought of it this way 
nor could she come to a definitive conclusion on the spot. Looking back at Galinda, however, she realized that the truth was not important here. Ultimately, it all played into the outcome we arrived at. Galinda seemed to like that just enough, as she rose to her feet and gave Ilfaba a brief hug before murmuring a quiet goodnight and leaving the room. The following morning Ilfaba prepared a special breakfast pancakes, accompanied by various fruit toppings, syrup, and cream. She'd planned this as an icebreaker before broaching the two big topics she needed to discuss with Galinda. Now that her roomie had already taken this unpleasant task out of her hands, she still reckoned that it would do their tarnished relationship some good if she went out of her way to show her appreciation. As she laid the table an unwelcome flashback from their previous makeup breakfast crossed her mind and for a moment, she stood stock still, staring at the bowl of mixed berries and feeling faint nauseous. Luckily, she didn't believe in bad omens and all that jazz. Morning, Elfie. At the sound of Galinda's voice, she turned around and mustered a small smile. The blonde's hair was messier than usual, and the bathrobe hung loosely off her shoulders. The symptoms of a bad hangover. She rubbed her eyes as she drew closer, maybe wondering whether they were playing a trick on her. Breakfast, she mumbled sleepily. You look like you should have stayed in bed a while or longer, cackled Ilfaba softly. Galinda gave a dismissive wave of her hand. Stop wisecracking and explain yourself, Miss Ilfaba. What have you done this time? Will you ever not be suspicious when I set out to spoil you? So far you have given me no reason not to be. So? I'm listening. Returning to the kitchen, Ilfaba began to turn the batter she'd prepared into fluffy pancakes. Until last night I was slightly worried about how to bring up the extended stay of my little passenger, she admitted. She left out the issue of the money, remembering how poorly Galinda had reacted the previous time. I know we kinda ticked that box now, but I reckoned you'd enjoy the breakfast anyway. I already bought most of the ingredients yesterday. That's sweet, Elfie, smiled Galinda. Let me brew the coffee then while you do. Actually, Elfaba interrupted her sheepishly, I've only been drinking tea recently. Galinda's lips pulled into a wide grin, and Elfaba was quick to return her attention to the pan on the stove, feeling a bit flustered at her response. They sat in silence at first, helping themselves to whatever their hearts desired. It was Galinda who seemed most eager to strike up a conversation. So? She began, making sure to catch Elfaba's gaze as she paused, reaching for her cup and taking a sip of her drink. How do you feel these days? The green girl slowly finished chewing the food in her mouth while mulling over her answer. She had an inkling as to what Galinda might be trying to get at, but without asking more explicitly, she'd give her nothing but the bare minimum. Well, the nausea has subsided, thank ounce. She chuckled uneasily. And I feel less fatigued, though I'd guess that has more to do with cutting back on my hours. Galinda nodded along, then appeared to be waiting for something else. That sounds good, she replied belatedly and reached out to briefly squeeze Ilfaba's hand. I'm glad. Got any plans for the holidays then? Don't call it that, scoffed Ilfaba, amused. It's a study break. As in, a break from lectures so that we can catch up on our studying. Rolling her eyes, Galinda stood to load her plate with more pancakes, banana slices and a dollop of chocolate spread. Is that seriously all you're gonna do? 
Ah. Uh, I suppose it's time I started with some proper antenatal appointments. Visibly packing up at that, Galinda locked eyes with her again. Elfaba thought that she gave off a sort of expectant vibe, but was glad that she didn't end up venturing the question that seemed to be at the tip of her tongue. What are you going to do all week then? She asked eventually to break their odd stalemate. Oh. Yes, um, studying, replied Galinda. Lots of studying. And, ah, uh, a quick trip back home to see my parents. She brightened at that. Do you want to come with me? Elfaba nearly choked on her food. Excuse me. No. I mean, no, I can't. All that antenatal stuff and, stuff. Right? I'm just going away for the weekend, silly. Galinda's crystal clear laughter only made Elfaba feel more self-conscious. Yeah, okay. But, man, Glyn, that's just weird. The laughter stopped suddenly, and Galinda stared straight back at her, her face prettily flushed. Elfaba tried to figure out whether it was something she'd said, but came up empty. A clock tick later, Galinda cleared her voice and flashed her a wavering smile. I don't think it's weird. My parents would absolutely love to meet the person I share my place with. You told them about me, asked Elfaba, somewhat alarmed. I hardly ever talk to them when I'm away from home, so no. But I'd probably tell them while I'm there. Does that worry you? Hiding her hands underneath the table and hunching over, Elfaba withdrew a little. They will ask you to get rid of me. Galinda arched a well-groomed eyebrow at her. Let's just say, they know most of my friends and disapprove of pretty much all of them. Still, they never told me outright to sever ties. At any rate, I got a feeling you could be the first they might actually like. Unlikely, muttered Ilfaba, shifting in her seat. The grin on Galinda's face returned in full force. Is that a yes? It was a strange, gut-wrenching feeling to walk through the revolving door of the community health centre again. The turbulent emotions evoked by the end of her last visit hit her especially hard the moment she set foot into the women's health clinic. She couldn't say that she still felt the same anger, but the lingering distrust and feelings of insult were enough to make her expect the worst. Ah, uh, hi. The woman at the reception briefly looked up and lifted a finger to indicate that she needed a moment to finish typing. Once she was done, she put on a stiff smile and asked for Elfaba's details. Throp, Elfaba. I've got an appointment for three o'clock. Tapping her index finger against her lips, the secretary found her name on the screen and clicked various boxes. Is this your first visit here? She inquired, giving her an uncomfortably intense look. Did she remember her? Elfaba couldn't for the life of her recall ever seeing her before but she really hadn't paid much attention to anyone but her nurse and the doctor last time. I've been here before, she answered, stubbornly stuffing her hands into her pockets. Wonderful. So we already have your details. Just take a seat, the midwife will be with you shortly. Elfaba was relieved and did as she was told. As per usual, the wait was fairly long. Long enough to survey the room in detail and watch the unfortunate souls who were waiting along with her. Some of the women were visibly distressed either due to pregnancy complications or because they, like she herself once, had come to seek an abortion, she supposed. Strewn across the place sat a number of lovey-dovey couples.
about half of them already showed clear signs of their reason for being here. Extremely preoccupied with herself, she hadn't noticed this diversity of patients before. She didn't think she'd personally have minded, but, wasn't that rather inconsiderate to have all of these women gathered in the same place? Those who'd lost children, those who might, those who wished to, and those who were happily flaunting their big, round bellies. The rest, she guessed, were the neutral crowd, waiting for standard checkups or birth control-related appointments. She remembered how all of these had been different departments at the private clinic she'd been to at Galinda's recommendation. She could certainly see the value in that. Miss Elfaba A student midwife led her down the hall and through one of the doors to the right. They did at least seem to have dedicated rooms for the different purposes, as she recalled the last ones she'd been to having been much less embellished. This one featured anatomical models and was cluttered with posters and charts of all things related to pregnancy and fetal development. Vittoria will be here in a minute, the student explained before taking her seat in the corner. True to word, the actual midwife, a short, burly woman with thin, shoulder-length, grey hair soon marched through the door and extended her hand in greeting. Vittoria. Nice to meet you. And your Elfaba, yes. Elfaba merely nodded. Good, good. Well, first of all, congratulations. First baby, is it? Yeah. You don't seem very excited to be here. Not what you planned, eh? Staring at her blankly, Elfaba didn't quite know what to say. The woman chuckled and wrote something down on her clipboard. Gotta ask those kinds of questions, she supplied offhandedly before inquiring about things relating to Elfaba's mental health and her feelings about this pregnancy. Okay. There will be plenty more questions in a minute, but if you could please hop onto that scale in the corner for me first. We need to take some baseline measurements. After taking note of her weight, she took Elfaba's height. Eat a few more toasts for breakfast from now on, she remarked distractedly. That baby won't grow from love and thin air alone. She checked her blood pressure, then asked Elfaba to go to the bathroom across the corridor and come back with a used test strip. When that was all done, they began going through a long catalogue of questions. The green, she began, giving her a poignant look, is that something hereditary? A spontaneous mutation, replied Elfaba. I'm very much the green sheep of the family. In fact, none of the doctors I ever spoke to knew of any other green people either. That should be interesting then, chuckled the midwife, and for the first time the idea that her child might turn out to look like herself crossed Elfaba's mind. Let's move on to the father, said the older woman before Elfaba could even begin to digest this unsettling thought. I hope he has a good reason to be absent today. The tone of her voice suggested that the remark was not meant entirely seriously, but Elfaba couldn't help but bristle in reaction. With a severe scowl on her face, she didn't have to say anything for midwife Victoria to recognize her faux pas. Oh, she said curtly and pursed her lips. Well, the good news is that this saves us a whole lot of time. On the flip side, not knowing anything about medical history and the like is definitely a disadvantage. It would be best if you could talk to the father and find out some of this information. She opened a drawer and pulled out a thin booklet which she passed on to Elfaba. It was a form, similar to the one they'd been working on. 
Staring at the questions, Elphaba considered returning the form, given that it would be sheer impossible for her to ascertain any of these details. Keeping it, however, was the path of least resistance and easier, so she wordlessly stuffed it into her bag. And this is most of the work done already. Do you have any questions so far? Elphaba shook her head. Very well. I'll write you a referral for some blood tests, as well as a script for some supplements. Ideally, you would have started with folic acid before falling pregnant, but most vitamins and minerals should be taken throughout pregnancy to make sure the baby has all she needs. She, asked Elphaba. Or he, if you prefer. Just don't get your heart set on either sex. You won't find out for a while. The green girl frowned and swallowed her retort. Now, for the dating scan. I had one done already. She produced the ultrasound picture she'd brought along just in case. The midwife looked confused at first, then the cogs inside her mind began to churn, until she nodded gravely and slipped the picture between the notes. Brilliant, she chirped, feigning cheerfulness while the friendly expression on her face had certainly taken a hit. With that out of the way, I still need you to come in later this week anyway. At 12 weeks it's time we make sure you get a nuchal translucency scan done. That's to assess certain risk factors for birth defects, mostly trisomy 21 and 18. Are you familiar with those? Yes. Good, good. So, I'll give you this cute little canvas bag with all the brochures, pregnancy diary and whatnot. Has a few free samples as well. All good stuff. Oh, and I'll pop your referral and your prescription in as well. No worries, these no-brand supplements are cheap as chips. And you make sure to talk to reception about that appointment for the ultrasound on the way out. Just tell her that you need a 12-week scan. She'll know what to do with that. And I'll see you again in, let's say, eight weeks. Unless anything unusual pops up in your scan or your bloods, in which case I'll give you a ring as soon as possible. They stood and shook hands. The student stepped forward to do the same. Elphaba was glad that she was finally able to get out of this oppressive building and away from the bigoted people within. She took a deep breath and let the warmth of the early spring sun caress her face, then headed in the direction of the bus stop with an optimistic spring in her step. She knew what people would think of her, but as a green girl, that didn't bother her too much. What did worry her were the simple logistics of everyday life yet those were things she had no choice but to simply tackle as she went. For now, she'd taken her first step forward, and it almost looked like she really could handle this. Her cleansing routine was interrupted by a storm of impatient rapping on the bathroom door. She tried to ignore her roommate at first, but in the end, she knew there was no escape. What is it? She shouted back as she put the lid back on her flask of oil and picked up a towel to wipe herself down with. What's taking you so long in there? We should hurry, Elfie. It's a three and a half hours drive up to Frotica. I don't want it to be the night before we get there. She chuckled. I never said I was coming. Galinda did not immediately reply. She imagined her standing in front of the door, stumped and dumbfounded. You never said that you weren't coming either, the blonde eventually shot back, and Elphaba grinned. Your assumptions are not my problem. She was taken aback when Galinda simply stomped off. She'd expected her to put up more of a fight. 
With a shrug, she set aside the towel and got dressed. I hope you emptied your bladder sufficiently, called Galinda from the living room when she finally exited the bathroom. Craning her neck, Elfaba spotted her wrestling with her luggage. She walked up to her and cackled at the sight. This is all you need for the weekend. Are you sure? What about the other 100 dresses you left upstairs? I'm bringing presents, grunted Galinda as she struggled to zip up her glittery pink suitcase. Elfaba stepped in and pushed down on the top with both hands. Combining their strength, they finally succeeded. The blonde wiped at her brow even though there was no visible sweat to remove. Thanks, Elfie. You're ready to go then? Been to the loo and all? I heard that's a thing with expectant mothers. I'm willing to make extra stops along the way, but not before we got out of shiz. Elfaba looked away and shifted from one leg to the other. What is it, Elfie? You're not embarrassed talking about this stuff, are you? It's not that, she replied, biting her lower lip. It just feels really weird, being called a mother. I'm not sure how maternal I feel. Or how female even. It's not something I usually give much thought, but it tends to come up more often nowadays, and it's strangely off-putting. She made a face. Never thought I'd be one for identity crises, but maybe that's what this is. Galinda smiled sympathetically and covered her hand that was still resting on the suitcase. By all accounts, pregnancy hormones are bound to take you on a couple of roller coaster rides. Maybe that's all it is. As a precaution, I can try and avoid triggering words like that. But if this turns out to be something that keeps you awake at night, don't hesitate to talk to me about it, okay? She gave her hand a squeeze and her soft smile turned into a wide grin. Which is exactly why I'm glad you're joining me this weekend. Can't leave you behind all alone here, can I? Who knows what gloomy thoughts you'd start pondering, wallowing in your loneliness, with no one to comfort you. Elfaba laughed it off, but certainly felt a tad more cheerful than before. She got up, grabbed Galinda's suitcase and pulled it down the hallway. When she took it outside to load it into the car, she found her own bags already at the very back of the trunk. Why am I not surprised, she muttered to herself and added Galinda's luggage. By the time they left it was almost noon, but Elfaba was not the one to blame. It had been Galinda who'd suddenly realized that she didn't have her phone charger, then couldn't find it, even though she turned her entire room upside down. Bored of waiting, Elfaba had eventually pitched in, opening her bags one by one and searching them systematically. Sure enough, she'd found the thing in the large, sparkly suitcase. Due to the delay, Galinda already felt peckish and demanded that Elfaba feed her one of the egg sandwiches she'd prepared. It's gonna make a mess, the green girl protested. Galinda T-scared. Fine. How about the avocado one? Even worse. Cream cheese and alfalfa then. Elfaba grumbled but finally relented. Bread in hand, she awkwardly leaned over to navigate the food towards Galinda's mouth. Her friend took a bite and, still chewing, giggled. Ounce, Elfie. You need to learn how to drive, because you're a dreadful co-pilot. Sulking slightly, Elfaba frowned at the remainder of the sandwich. Well, not like I have a car. I'm obviously volunteering mine, replied Galinda, shaking her head. If we go places together, that's a no-brainer. 
But seriously, if you ever need to get yourself somewhere, it would be good if you could do that without my help. And think of juniors, too. Checkups, immunizations. I think there are lots of random errands involved when you have a little one. Yeah. I'll think about it. When they made it to Setica, a few kilometers past the halfway point of their journey, they stopped at a fast food restaurant. They visited the bathroom and ordered two hot chocolates, one with skim and one with oat milk. Back in the car, Galinda took a sip and sighed. Halfway there. Are you ready to keep going? Elfaba scoffed. Like I have a choice. Galinda maneuvered the car back out of the parking spot and onto the road. Every now and again, she reached for her cup and took a sip, but Ilfaba soon noticed that she remained suspiciously quiet. Is something wrong? she asked after a while, furrowing her brow. What? said the blonde distractedly as she risked a fleeting glance at her. Oh. No, no. All good. I was just thinking. About what? Nothing important. Nothing but random thinking. Hey, I just realized I've been dictating the music all this time. Would you like to change it to something else? Elfaba took a moment to consciously listen to the sounds from the stereo. I don't actually care, she decided and noncommittally hiked her shoulders. Galinda remained just as silent for the next ten minutes. Are you worried after all? Elfaba ventured at length. About what? Something about her voice didn't sound right. Your parents? Then meeting me? Or are you seeing them again? I don't know what kind of relationship you guys have. They, they're okay, answered Galinda. They might ask all about my current relationship status and shit, but that's not too bad. They are less persistent than some. Elfaba nodded, then paused, and turned her head to stare back at Galinda. What? The other girl chuckled uneasily. You're, uh, not gonna tell them, are you? About. The baby. First of all, I don't think it's going to garner me any brownie points, and secondly, they'll be even more concerned about our whole living arrangement. Anne, we haven't even discussed this ourselves. Which part? Like where to put the playmat, the changing table, the baby swing. I mean, the bed is obvious, right? Elfaba gaped at her with her mouth half open. Oh, come on, Elfie. What did you expect? Of course, I'm not gonna kick you out. Haven't I earned at least a smidgen of your trust yet? Licking her lips, Elfaba ducked her head between her shoulders. It just seems like such a huge burden. Fiddlesticks. I, she took a deep breath, then closed her mouth and simply smiled. Anything you need, really. It's. It's gonna be alright. But I won't tell my parents. I'll even hide it from them later on if you prefer. Though I don't think it would be necessary. Thank you, said Ilfaba with a breath of relief, though deep inside, the doubts and worries kept on churning. One thought in particular stood out, and even though she tried to dismiss it, she couldn't help but voice it. I've been wondering the last few days. What if the baby turns out? Green? Galinda filled in helpfully when Elfaba found it too difficult to say the word out loud. Yeah. You know better than I how difficult that would be for them as they grow up. 
But until then, the best you can do is to spoil them with love and fortify them with confidence. I still trained on the road, she knitted her brows. You never told me anything about your childhood, actually. All I know, I got from Bok. How, how was your relationship with your parents growing up? Not great, was Ilfaba's taciturn reply. I'm sorry to hear that. She wasn't sure what to do with Galinda's sympathy, but at least she sounded genuine. Strangely enough, I don't think I was particularly lacking in confidence. Rather I had enough of it to turn some into contempt for anyone who'd do as much as look at me the wrong way. It made things easier in a way. H.M. I'm not sure if that's a strategy worth teaching the little one though. Unfortunately, there aren't many parenting guides for green people, grumbled Ilfaba. Even knowing that Galinda didn't really mean to criticize her, she felt the need to defend her tried and trusted coping mechanisms. For a long time, they'd been all she'd had. Galinda looked like she had a thing or two to add to that, but graciously decided not to argue further. Driving through Frotica proper, Ilfaba found herself inexplicably curious about the town Galinda had grown up in. The buildings all looked rather old-fashioned, but in a boutique kind of way. Frotikans obviously loved their traditions and quaint lifestyle. Strangely enough, she couldn't picture Galinda fitting in quite as well as she'd thought she would. Their final destination was situated another ten minutes out of town, among the lushest and gentlest of the Perth Hills. Are you ready, grinned Galinda before they made to take the next turn. For what? I swear, each time you ask me this I get more anxious about this whole affair. Barely a minute later, the grand house of Galinda's girlhood years came into view. Unbeknownst to Galinda, Ilfaba was more used to such sights than she let on, yet that didn't mean that she wasn't intimidated. Perhaps not by the building itself, but by its inhabitants, or at least her image of them. Bok had obviously been right about Galinda being of noble stock. Elfaba had some experience with the older generations of such heritage, and couldn't say that that was a good thing. You're awfully quiet, quipped Galinda, unable to conceal her own unease. Big house, commented Ilfaba flatly. Do your parents live alone there? We do have a small team of staff. But most of the house is not used for the family. We hire out rooms for short-term rentals and tourist stays. Not like a hotel though. It all goes through an app and is much more hands-off. Helps manage the costs for upkeep, I reckon, remarked Ilfaba, and Galinda gave her a surprised look. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Most people have no clue how costly it is to keep these ancient places afloat. They just see the fancy side and don't think too hard about it. They pulled into the long white gravel driveway. A gardener tending to the still rather winter barren flowerbeds waved, then sprinted off towards the house. After stopping the car as close to the main entrance as possible, Galinda peered out of the window. Elfaba recognized her friend's parents the moment they stepped out of the stately front door. Galinda unbuckled her seatbelt and turned to look at her. You ready? You're doing it again, sighed Elfaba and let herself fall back into the seat. Galinda giggled. You'll be fine, she said and leaned in for a quick peck on her cheek before pushing her door open and rushing towards her parents, leaving behind a stunned Ilfaba. Chapter 12 Galinda ran up the stairs. Her grin was radiant, 
her face aglow with not so much the excitement of being reunited with her parents, but the thrill of nearly kissing Elphaba on the lips. Nearly. Her parents were none the wiser of course and beamed in turn, pleased to see their daughter so happy. Her father was the first to wrap his arms around her. Sweet pea. Welcome back. It's good to see you, Popsicle. She placed little pecks on both of his cheeks before turning around to embrace her mother. Mumsy. My darling. At last. It's always such an awful wait between visits. Taking a step back, Galinda straightened out her skirt and smiled at her parents. You both look very relaxed, she observed. How was your trip to Evie? Absolutely wonderful, gushed her mother, but her father put his hands on his wife's shoulders and gave her a certain look. We should discuss this inside, shouldn't we? You're right, dearest. A beeping sound drew the family's attention towards the car. Oh, this is Ilfaba, Galinda explained quickly, stifling a giggle as she watched the other girl open the boot and remove their luggage. My new flatmate I told you about on the phone last night. I better go and help her. By the time she made it to the car, Ilfaba had already slung her weekender around her torso and picked up Galinda's large suitcase. Offering her what she hoped was a reassuring nod, the blonde briefly rested her hand against her upper arm before pushing past her and gathering the remaining bags. It didn't escape her notice how the colour of Ilfaba's face darkened a notch in response, and how she lowered her gaze. Galinda's delight wavered. Had she gone too far too soon? With two bags in tow, she hurried after Ilfaba to make sure they'd reached the door and her parents, together. Mumsy, Popsicle, she said, slightly out of breath, may I properly introduce Ilfaba. Setting the pink suitcase down, Ilfaba freed her hand to offer it to her hosts. Nice to meet you, ah, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Upland. Galinda's mother laughed. No need to be so formal. We are all adults here. Unless you'd prefer us to call you by your surname, Lorena and Highmuster will do. Elfaba nodded sheepishly. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, how about this, suggested Highmuster, you two go upstairs, settle into your rooms, and in, let's say, half an hour we meet in the library for tea. Galinda agreed enthusiastically. Perfect. Come, Elfie, I'll show you the way. You warned them about the green, didn't you, said Ilfaba as they started to climb the grand staircase. Would you have preferred a commotion to break out upon your arrival? It can be quite entertaining. Galinda chuckled and shook her head. You're one of a kind. Oh, by the way, it's Mr. Upland and Mrs. Oduena. My mum's the money. And the blood. Hell would have to freeze over before she might do as much as consider abandoning her proud family name. Ha! Huh. Elfaba looked her up and down with a critical eye, and Galinda felt her face blushing. Galinda of the Arduenas of the Uplands. I guess I can see it now. You certainly have that distinctive, royal aura. Oh shush, you're just teasing, admonished Galinda even as she laughed heartily. Kidding aside though, you could have told me. If this is so important to your mother, she probably hates me now. Galinda was touched by how seriously Ilfaba took this. Bumping into her shoulder, she silently apologized. She won't, I promise. 
The mistake obviously was mine, and even if not, she'd give you the benefit of the doubt. It's more of a matter of principle. Maybe you should have equipped me with a manual or something if your family is so complicated. I don't fancy making a fool out of myself. They stopped in the middle of a long corridor. On one side, pristinely restored stained glass windows provided light and a distorted view into the inner courtyard, on the other, a row of dark coxwood doors, framed by carved marble arches led to the individual bedrooms. Galinda pointed out the one next to a large portrait of a proud noble woman, swathed in layers upon layers of translucent cloth. This is your room. It's small, but I hope it will last for the weekend. I found it inconsiderate towards the staff to make them do up one of the grander suites for just two nights. Besides, she paused and struggled not to look away in embarrassment. She'd felt braver when thinking it all out in her head I kinda hoped you'd agree to spend the night in my room. So we could study and work on assignments as we used to, she hastened to add. I really miss that, and I'll admit, there are a few things I might need your help with. She watched Alfaba as she seemed to consider the logistics of her proposal. Her expression was guarded and difficult to read. In the end, she pulled at the sleeves of her sweatshirt and turned her head to look at the door to her room. I toss about and kick in my sleep, she said, flashing her an apologetic look. Galinda expected it was nothing but a thinly veiled excuse and wondered which part of the idea worried her friend the most. Was it merely the prospect of sharing a bed? Well, that could be remedied. We have folding cots in storage, you know? Guests frequently request them when they plan to share their rooms with children or friends. Letting go of her sleeves, Ulfaba folded her arms and shifted her weight. Fine. I guess, she said, hiking one shoulder. Though I'm not entirely sure why you'd want to recreate your falling asleep while trying and failing to compete with my tenacity. No, you wouldn't, replied Galinda, smiling pensively as fond memories floated through her mind like wisps of a distant past, even though it had really been no more than a couple of weeks. A moment of silence passed between them before Alfaba gave a nod and pushed down on the door handle. Oh, and my room is right around the corner, Galinda quickly piped up before she could escape. Next to the big grandfather clock. In case you need anything. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Elfaba's lips twitched, and she made to slip through the door. This time, it was her who stalled mid-motion. I, ah, uh, was wondering. Does tea mean that we have to get changed? If you really care about making a good impression, I'd suggest you do. But nobody will insist on it. Pursing her lips, Elfaba nodded and disappeared. Galinda grinned at the closed door before dragging her abundant luggage in the direction of her own suite. Almost twenty minutes later, she'd washed her face and reapplied her makeup. She'd also exchanged her leggings and hoodie for a white skirt and a soft pink off-shoulder jumper with silk ribbons weaved into and down the sleeves. Only her hair still required attention before she'd be ready to walk over to Alfaba's room and pick her up. The second she picked up her hairbrush, however, there was a knock on the door. Mumsy? She checked the time, but decided that she wasn't actually late yet. Her parents knew that it would take her a few moments to make herself presentable. In half an hour didn't usually mean thirty minutes on the dot, unless they had company, in which case they would plan more carefully, making sure Galinda had plenty of opportunity to beautify and accessories. 
As she opened the door, a bright smile chased away the slight frown. Alfie. Elfaba, dressed in a fresh pair of black jeans and a loose, navy-colored long sleeve, pretended to study the intricate carvings of the doorframe. Just making sure you didn't leave without me. Since I don't know my way around yet. Delighted, Galinda reached for Elfaba's hand to pull her inside the room. I'm done soon, I promise, she chortled and ushered her in the direction of the settee. Watching Elfaba survey her new surroundings with a combination of curiosity, or, an apprehension was highly entertaining, and Galinda almost forgot all about her hair, until the big hall clock's chime spurred her into action. She turned around swiftly. Humming a cheerful tune, she went about taming her luscious locks and putting them up in a high bun. She was only half as distracted as she seemed though, and noticed at once when Elfaba was finished studying the room and took to studying her instead. She reckoned for all her careful observations, Elfaba had not taken into account the conveniently positioned mirror, or she probably wouldn't be staring so blatantly. No matter how tempted she was to tease her friend about it, Galinda refrained from commenting. She was far too pleased with the quiet attention and dare she even think it adoration. Galinda took Elfaba's hand before entering the library. Elfaba did not exactly seize the opportunity with the same fervor, but didn't break the contact either, which was a start. Ah, Galinda. Her father was the first to notice them. Lorena looked up at the mention of her daughter's name. Have you girls made yourselves at home, she asked, patting the empty space next to her on the blue velvet sofa. Reluctantly, Galinda let go of Ilfaba's hand so the taller girl could take the armchair opposite her. It's almost like I never left, the blonde fibbed smoothly in answer to her mother's question. In reality, her old room appeared more foreign to her each time she returned. And how has this semester been treating you? Any new acquaintances besides Ilfaba? Galinda was almost taken aback at how promptly and unceremoniously they'd gotten to the meat of the matter. Not really, she replied with a taut smile. She decided not to mention Bok as he was of little consequence to this particular conversation, and not to bring up Fiero, as she feared he might stir unwanted interest. Oh, and Elfie and I have been classmates for a while now, she clarified instead. She majors in biology and was also in my previous bioelective. Together with Shan and Fanny, if you remember them. Oh yes, we do, replied Lorena, not sounding particularly glad to be reminded of them. And Fizander's boy Averick, is it? Such a small world we live in. Anyway, how is he? Same old, same old, shrugged Galinda, content to know that her mother's curiosity in regards to him was of purely gossipy nature. In contrast to her uni friends, her parents didn't care much for the idea of the two of them as a couple. So you're interested in the natural sciences, asked Highmuster, turning towards Ilfaba. That's rare for a girl, isn't it? Not so much these days, she countered immediately, bristling somewhat, in true Ilfaba fashion. The ratio seems to be nearly 50-50 in the class as a whole, and at least one third of the students who consider it their main focus are female. Well, times do change, he conceded. And who knows, in another 10, 20 years, there might even be more than just a handful of women in the architecture courses, added Lorena pointedly before taking a sip of her tea. Galinda chuckled along, but her hands clutched at the hem of her jumper.
Girls, girls. Why aren't you eating? laughed her father. Alfaba. Please, help yourself. Mumbling some sort of acknowledgement, Alfaba picked a small pastry from the platter. Galinda took a scone. She'd had enough sandwiches for one weekend. So, Alfaba, what do your parents do for a living? Galinda had trouble swallowing her food and quickly washed the bite down with an unladylike gulp of tea. Mumsy, she exclaimed softly as soon as she could, then cleared her throat to get rid of the crumb that had lodged itself in her airway. Why, it's a perfectly normal question, darling. We're getting to know each other. Elphaba put her cup down and folded her hands. My mother isn't with us anymore, but my father is a unionist minister. Casting her a long look, Galinda hoped she might return it, but Elphaba sat straight and proud, her face impossibly blank and unrevealing. A unionist, said her father then, louder than necessary to diffuse the tension in the room. How about you, Elphaba? Are you following the same faith? My sister does, she replied, and to Galinda's surprise she began to relax ever so slightly. She is excessively devout, but I personally don't understand religion. Frotica and the surrounding regions are all deeply Lerlinist, explained Lorena. So it's expected that we, as well as the other distinguished families, support local convents and religious celebrations. But even if I could freely choose any faith, I would certainly follow Lerlene the Fairy Queen. I think it's the ancientness of it all that's so appealing to me. Alfaba nodded, though not exactly in agreement. My father would love this, she quipped. He writes sermon after sermon, condemning the pagan religions. Yet here I am, his own flesh and blood, sitting amidst a circle of Lerlinus devils. Her choice of wood raised a few eyebrows, but Galinda smiled into her cup as she drank. They went out for a stroll after just the two of them. Since tea had been so late and dinner wasn't too far away, they hoped to walk off some of the food they'd forced themselves to consume out of pure politeness. I hope to apologize for my parents' insensitive questions, said Galinda after they'd left the grand house far behind them. It's fine, said Ilfaba. It's not like it was an unusual question. But, you didn't even know about my mother. Why did you intervene? Well, not particularly successfully, replied Galinda, brushing a loose strand of hair out of her face. I guess I just had a feeling, since neither you, nor Bok ever mentioned her. And besides, it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine, to be reduced to my parents' successes and wealth, I mean. We are old enough to be our own people and celebrate our own accomplishments. What does it matter that my father is a lawyer and head of a big law firm, and that my mother is a rich heiress, managing the estate? I grudgingly accept that my reputation tends to precede me, it's hard to escape that. On the other hand, I don't give a toss how your father earns his money or how much of it. You are you, brilliant and hardworking. Do you think you'll be a professor of biology one day, working at Shiz or some other prestigious university? Those are the questions they should really ask. Elphaba's mouth stretched into a thin line. I don't know anymore. I did hope to work in research, maybe under Dr. Dillamond if he'd have me. But now? Things have changed, and all I'm focusing on these days is to simply get by. You mustn't give up, urged Galinda, looping her arm around Ilfaba's. You can make it work. I know you can. 
Elphaba impatiently pulled back her arm. You're right. You aren't your parents. You are clever and determined to follow your dreams, even if they aren't what your family envisioned for you. It's admirable. But you rely on their money nonetheless. You can't compare that to my situation. She stomped off her head, and Galinda let her go, trailing a few steps behind her. She wrapped her jacket tightly around her body in pursuit of comfort. Elfaba wasn't entirely wrong, but where Galinda had her parents, Elfaba and Galinda. Her allowance would be enough for the two, no, the three of them. She wouldn't even have to ask her parents for more money than she already received. All she needed to do was cut back on some of her occasionally frivolous expenses. Beyond that, she was more than willing to pitch in when it came to taking care of the little one. She could be hands-on if required. In fact, she truly wished to play a major role in this upcoming chapter of Ilfaba's life, no matter in what exact capacity. Didn't Ilfaba see that? How would she make her understand and believe it? Would she be at all prepared to tolerate such interference? Dinner was more of the same, though Lorena and Highmaster were more focused on their daughter this time. Galinda didn't like it, but preferred it to them pelting Elfaba with questions in her stead. Aren't there any clubs you could join, wondered her father. To meet someone who shares similar interests, perhaps someone a year or two ahead of you. Papa, I really don't think I have the time. She studies a lot, Elfaba supplied, more or less helpfully. Before we knew each other better, I always did wonder how she achieved such outstanding grades while making it seem so effortless, Galinda blushed, realizing that Elfaba was hinting at her sparse participation and attention in class, but behind the scenes, she puts a tremendous effort into her assignments and projects. Her mother looked first at Elfaba, then her daughter. Are you still sure that it's all worth the stress? One day your path will lead you back here, to this place. You are its next custodian. There is really no need for a higher degree once you completed your bachelor. I'm quite determined, answered Galinda decidedly. I'm content with my progress at uni, as well as my private life. I don't see any reason to change anything. She first started down with her mother, then her father, making sure the topic was well and truly concluded for the evening. When she was satisfied that she'd accomplished that, she turned to look at Elfaba. She'd intended to offer her a triumphant smile, but the moment their eyes met, Galinda's widened in realization. Her stomach dropped, and she lost her appetite. She couldn't exactly say why. Perhaps it was because not having exactly what she wanted was a rare occurrence. Too rare, maybe, for her resilience in that department was pitifully low. Elfaba tilted her head questioningly and Galinda pulled herself together in order to muster that smile she'd planned to bestow upon her. After the meal had concluded. She insisted that she and Elfaba had a lot of work to do upstairs and they excused themselves for the night. Without double-checking whether her friend was still on board for the proposed sleepover, Galinda led her downstairs to the butler's office. Up until then, he'd been inconspicuous enough for Elfaba to not take any note of him. Evening, Puggles, she said sweetly, and the elderly man's face brightened when he looked up from his large, leather-bound ledger. Miss Galinda. So wonderful to have you here. He cast a brief glance at Elfaba, and Galinda could tell that he was quite bewildered, but he refocused his attention on her and said nothing of it. How can I help you? 
Galinda asked for a bunch of old keys, then engaged him in an astute little colloquy about various affairs of the estate. While she preferred to not constantly think of her future as the heiress and warden of the house and attached properties, she liked to keep abreast with the most important developments, and hoped to not get out of practice all too much before inevitably having to pick up her mother's responsibilities one day. Keys in one hand, Elfaba's palm in the other, Galinda strode past portraits, sculptures, busts and weapon displays in the opposite direction of their rooms. At the end of the corridor, they arrived at an ornate double door. This is the passage to the guest wing, she told Ilfaba as she unlocked it. The storage room wasn't that much further, and soon they came back through the same set of doors with a big, folded bed on wheels in tow. Ilfaba's expression was priceless. Galinda expected she thought it was all too much fuss for one or two nights of room sharing, but even if Galinda couldn't have everything she ever wanted, there was no way she'd relent in this particular instance. I hope you're happy now, muttered Ilfaba depositing her own bedding on the cot after retrieving it from the other room. I'm thrilled, Galinda assured her and helped rearrange the pillows and blankets. Once the bed was made and ready to go, the girls looked up and at each other. And now? Snacks, asked Galinda, but Ilfaba shook her head. Do you want to jump right in then? Sure. You said you needed assistance with something. Galinda walked over to the wide, sturdy lowboy that served as her luggage stand and pulled her biology textbook out of her tote bag. With Ilfaba's help it didn't take Galinda too long to eliminate her confusion around the exercise that had had her so worried. A few Ilfaba-generated practice tests later, she was confident enough that she'd be able to repeat her success on the coming Monday. They moved on to their individual assignments an architectural sketch for Galinda and a history essay for Ilfaba that wasn't even due until the end of the month. Drawing was one of Galinda's favorite tasks, but she was rarely satisfied with her first, or even the first dozen of her designs. This couldn't have been more true that night. Sheet by crumbled sheet, the pages of her sketch pad were discarded on the floor. She couldn't remember being so frustrated with any one project before and was just about to give up. Elfaba, too, seemed unfocused and bored. If you need a break, the green girl said eventually, scratching the back of her neck and staring at her laptop keyboard, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. Galinda looked up and, a few seconds later, promptly tossed aside her drawing utensils. Yes, she answered, a touch too eagerly. Running her hand through her hair, Elfaba made an irritated sound, then slammed down the lid of her computer. Do you remember that night, you came home from a club? A bit more than tipsy. Galinda's chest felt tight. What had she told her roomie in her altered state of mind? Had she agreed too hastily to even hear this query and allow Elfaba to bring up something possibly incriminating? I don't know, Elfie, she replied offhandedly, my alcohol-fueled trips downtown don't usually prove very memorable. Would this be enough to make her drop the topic? I can imagine, snickered Ilfaba before her expression turned serious again. At any rate, you mentioned something interesting. Something about a certain pull that some people simply don't feel. Galinda was simultaneously relieved and anxious. It didn't sound like Ilfaba was getting at anything particularly stupid she might have said in her delirium. She even thought she might have a decent recollection of the conversation in question. But things had somewhat changed for her in the interim which made her reluctant to discuss the matter. 
She remembered reassuring Ilfaba that she wasn't the only one who felt that way, that she herself felt that way. Which she still did. Mostly. But her recently discovered, unexpectedly intense affections for Ilfaba meant that she found it difficult to simply sit there, listening to how the girl she secretly yearned to call her own, was now happy to accept for herself that she'd be desireless, perhaps even loveless for the rest of her life. Even though she ought to be glad for her, she knew that such words would make her unrequited feelings all the more unbearable. On the other hand, how could she fail her so miserably and not be the friend Ilfaba deserved? I do remember, she said quietly and folded her hands in her lap. Have you thought much about it all afterwards? Not until recently. I was too preoccupied. Galinda nodded. Did, did you want me to explain as much as I know? She bit her lip, shifted in her seat and forced herself to keep up the eye contact that Ilfaba had finally dared to establish. Or would you prefer it if I merely gave you a nudge in the right direction so you can explore it all on your own? I couldn't find much in the literature, admitted Ilfaba uneasily. I didn't know where to start. What I did find didn't quite feel right in a way. Too clinical, I suppose. Exhaling softly, Galinda smiled and got up to walk over to the settee where she sat down next to Ilfaba. Wordlessly, she asked for her laptop and opened it. She typed the name of a forum in the WIS search window, then opened a separate tab for her favorite blog. Have a read through this one first, she told Ilfaba as she handed back the computer. Once you understand the basics you can have a look through some of the links on the side. The other girl thoughtfully rested her chin on her fist. Those don't exactly look like peer-reviewed articles. Oh, they are peer-reviewed, all right, laughed Galinda. It's a different kind of process, but this is still the aggregated knowledge of a whole community. As with academic stuff, readers' discretion and critical thinking are advised, but I deliberately chose sources that are fairly reliable and widely agreed upon as correct. If you delve deep enough, I'm sure you'll be able to find the one or the other journal article in there, too. I wish more had been done already on the topic, but it is what it is. I guess research would be boring if there was nothing new left to research. And who knows, you might end up becoming an academic authority on the subject one day. Maybe an idea for your dissertation in a few years. I doubt I'll ever make it this far, given the circumstances, muttered Ilfaba, but she was already too distracted by the text in front of her to get too hung up on the thought. Galinda stood. Well, I'll leave you to it for a while. I guess I should see if Mumsy is still around. We only have such a short time to be together and I shouldn't make myself so scarce. Elfaba didn't stop her. In fact, she barely acknowledged that she'd heard her at all. Galinda couldn't help but think with a hint of bitterness that she simply didn't care. She found her mother in the salon, sitting by the fire and reading a novel by her favorite author. A story of love and intrigue, set against the backdrop of high society. Galinda had always hated those books, so sappy and contrived. Has Popsicle gone to bed, she asked, and Lorena looked up. You know he has. Nothing around here ever changes as much as you do when you're away for a few months at a time. Is that an accusation, responded Galinda warily before sitting down in the opposite armchair. Her mother sighed wistfully. Of course not. I only wish I could be there for you and guide you. Why does she have to be so far away? 
I miss you and Papa, declared Galinda. But I don't need your guidance. I'm old enough and capable enough to make my own way. But aren't you terribly lonely? I have a father. The older woman wrinkled her brow at her daughter's sharp tone. Galinda momentarily held her breath, but didn't drop her gaze. After a clock tick of consideration, she decided to swing with the turn the conversation had taken. Elfaba and I are more than flatmates, and we aren't exactly friends either, she said, and her own frown inadvertently turned upside down. Saying it out loud made her heart brim with joy, even though it was a lie. Why, why didn't you say, replied Lorena, marking her book and closing it. She leaned forward and reached for Galinda's hand. The surprise was written all over her face. I had to promise not to. Elfaba is worried about her father's reaction, him being as religious as he is. And besides, it's all still so fresh and new. I might have been able to convince her that you guys would be okay with it, but I didn't want to put her under that kind of pressure. I want her to become more comfortable in her own skin before we make any of this public. No one at school knows either. That is so thoughtful of you. You must be so excited. And I know your temperament. How did you contain it so well? Galinda's smile faltered then, and her soaring spirit slowly came back down to reality. Mumsy, you won't tell her anything I said, will you? My lips are sealed, promised her mother solemnly and tightened the grip on her hand. But may I tell your father in the morning? Galinda hesitated before she acquiesced. But no one else. Please. He will be so happy for you. Even if. He hoped I'd find a husband, marry and have children, finished Galinda, shaking her head. Only because it would have been easier for you, my darling. Of course, we basically already knew that this wasn't going to happen. You did, chuckled Galinda in disbelief. Her mother patted her hands one last time and leaned back in her chair. Well, Oziandra and that other girl from summer camp, I forget her name, proved rather sufficiently that your interests lay elsewhere. Galinda stared at her with an open mouth, well and truly gobsmacked. And I thought we were so subtle. Oh dearest, you kids think your tricks are so clever, but we old people have been there and done it all a century ago. In a way, we used to be glad that your romantic adventures were, well, mostly risk-free. After all, even with the best of precautions accident do happen and... Galinda jumped to her feet. You know what? I'm tired. I'm sure we'll have more opportunities to talk tomorrow. Although, maybe about a different subject. She bent down and kissed her mother's cheeks in a hurry. Good night, Mumsy. Good night, dearest, Lorena called after her as she headed out of the room. Back upstairs, she was by no means surprised when she spotted Ilfaba sitting jackknifed and firmly pressed into the corner of the settee, balancing the laptop on her knees. Did you find any of it useful? asked Galinda, closing the door. Elfaba slowly lifted her head and blinked as if she'd been roused from a daze. You're back, she murmured. I am. What time is it? Around eleven. I should get showered then try to make some progress with my arch assignment. Have you made any with your research? She gestured towards the computer. I suppose I have, shrugged Elfaba. I'm trying to wrap my head around it still, but I can relate to a lot of this. 
Well, I hope it proves helpful, said Galinda as she collected a few items of clothing from her suitcase. She racked her mind for something anything else to say, but her head felt empty. She peered in Elfaba's direction and screwed her eyes shut. What had come over her? Why had she told her mother those things about their relationship? Elfaba would be furious if she knew and rightly so. Her offence was inexcusable. She locked the bathroom door behind her and let her clothes drop to the floor. In her head, she mulled over every word of her earlier conversation. So, her parents had known about her affinity for girls all along. The thought amused her. What was even more hilarious though, was their conviction that they knew about the exact quality of her relations with those girls. She'd bet anything that they were wrong on that account. Surely, they'd believed their little girl hopelessly in love each time, romantically minded as they were. They themselves had been childhood sweethearts. How could they suspect that their own daughter could be of a less affectionate nature? How indeed? Only Lurleen herself knew why relationships had never been a thing Galinda had aspired to pursue in earnest, why sex had never been anything but a silly diversion, based on not even a smidgen of attraction. And only Lurleen knew why she'd sent Ilfaba her way, seemingly endowed with the same disposition, but bizarrely the only person to ever stir any amorous sentiments in Galinda. It was a debacle like no other. Contrary to her parents' worries, she'd never felt lonely or sad to be without a partner, but now she wanted Ilfaba more than anything. They'd achieved some level of closeness by cohabitating, but Galinda found that the closer she got, the more she needed the real deal. Which was why lies like the one she'd told her mother came so easily. Knowing how unattainable her roomie was, she'd begun to occasionally allow herself harmless daydreams. From there, the leap had been but a minor one. At least soon there would be the baby. The baby was someone she could love and dote on in Ilfaba's stead. It wasn't Ilfaba, but still intrinsically connected to her. If this was the closest thing she could get, she'd take it. She'd do anything to keep them both in her life, even if it required a few sacrifices. Like her extra courses, her post-grad degree, she'd gladly give those in exchange for a child that, in a sense, would be Ilfaba's as well as hers, a link of sorts, to bridge the disconnect between them. By the time their paths might eventually separate, the kid would have matured into an adult and Galinda would have outgrown her nonsensical romantic feelings. Or so she hoped. For the present, however, they were intolerably intense. As she thought of Ilfaba, the hot water of the shower seemed cool to her. Nothing, it seemed, could warm her so wholly as the thought of being embraced by gangly, green arms. She was immensely grateful that, so far, her thoughts hadn't turned sexual. She didn't like the idea of dealing with the resulting frustration on her own, and knew she'd hate herself for looking at Ilfaba that way without her approval. Even as unconcerned as she was with her family's religion, she prayed that this wasn't yet another change, simply waiting to happen. She didn't know how long she'd spent in the bathroom, but when she exited, Ilfaba was ready to take her place with her things gathered and her laptop packed away for the night. Galinda decided to not force herself to work on her sketch after all when a good result seemed so impossible to achieve at this point. Instead, she'd go to bed and hope for better luck and a clearer head the following day. Lying there, snuggled into her blanket, she waited for Ilfaba's return. It would be rude to ask her for a sleepover, only to drift off long before her. She passed the time reading on her phone 
but her eyelids were growing progressively heavier. Once she was woken by her mobile dropping on her nose. She'd never noticed how long Ilfaba took to get ready at night. The next time she opened her eyes, Ilfaba was sitting on her bed. Did you mean for the flashlight to stay on all night, she asked, pointing at the phone lying next to her. Huh? Galinda's head spun. Gosh, she was so tired and exhausted from all the thinking, the hidden emotions. If you need a nightlight, there are better ways than burning out your phone's battery, said Ilfaba gently and turned off the torch function for her. Prior to that, she must have switched off the big light as well, Galinda realized when the room suddenly turned dark. The curtains hadn't been drawn yet though, and the sharp features of her face were illuminated by the sparse moonlight that filtered through the windows. The effect was so perfect and startling, startlingly perfect. In a trice, Galinda was wide awake. Entrancing, she said before she could think better of it. She reached out to touch a strand of midnight black hair that had eluded Ilfaba when she tied her braid as part of her bedtime routine. Never mind what those idiots say when they make fun of you. There's some strange, exotic quality of beauty about you. Do you know that? Surprise, replied Ilfaba and perhaps she blushed, for the shade of her skin seemed to change. I mean, surprise, not beauty. It's just a surprise. Well, what do you know? It's not beautiful. Galinda wanted to protest, more than anything, but as a cloud pushed in front of the moon and Ilfaba's face disappeared in the resulting blackness, the spell was broken and her wits returned to the blonde. Who am I to argue? She huffed sullenly and stuffed her phone under her pillow. Well, fresh dreams, said Ilfaba and lightly patted the top of her comforter before slinking over to her cot. They slept in the following morning, or at least Galinda did. It was evident that Ilfaba had been long awake by the time she first stirred and risked a cautious glance at the bright room, yet she'd stayed put all this time, merely getting dressed and amusing herself with her computer. Morning, Elfie, yawned Galinda as she rubbed her eyes. Motionless, Ilfaba remained sitting at the desk that Galinda had used the night before, her elbows on the table, her hands clasped in front of her face, her two forefingers leaning against each other and against her lips. How do you know you don't experience something if you've supposedly never experienced it, she queried out of nowhere, her eyes still trained on the laptop's screen. Galinda wished her mind would sober as quickly as she wanted it to. I, ah. Uh. She shook her head to clear it and blinked. Are you, like, talking about attraction? Elfaba finally craned her neck to look at her and nodded curtly. Ounce, hang on, I need to think. The green girl's head whipped back around, and she sighed. It was too early for this sort of stuff. Couldn't they at least have breakfast first? As soon as she resigned herself to having to answer the question, however, she found that thought came more easily to her. Look, I'm sure you already realized that you didn't feel the same as your peers as you all progressed through your later teenage years. They were becoming interested in finding girlfriends and boyfriends, and you were not. They wanted to talk about who was cute and sexy, while you did not. Does that sound accurate? Was it like that for you, replied Ilfaba instead of answering her question. Galinda pulled the blanket closer towards herself and smiled bashfully. Yeah, pretty much. Of course I masked my lack of interest and participated in their discussions as best I could. I thought that they were either making a bigger fuss about it all than it really was, 
or that I was ounce forbid lagging behind but would get there eventually. I was mostly wrong either way. Weird. When I figured out that I didn't care about relationships and being physical with others, I found it easy to blame my overall strangeness, my messed up upbringing, and whatnot. Why someone like you should have the same issues is mind-boggling to me. Don't think of it as an issue, retorted Galinda. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine your father's parenting style might have done some damage in this department, she took a deep breath and steeled herself for the reply to come, do, do you think that it's wrong for two women or two men to fall in love, feel drawn to each other and live their lives together? Is that an issue, too? Elfaba took a moment to answer, and Galinda's heart hammered hard in her chest. She didn't even know what she'd do with herself if Elfaba proved to be appalled by queer folks like her. Would she try to slowly but surely change her mind or never bring it up again and hide herself as much as possible? My father's opinions have never convinced me one way or another. I prefer to form my own. That's a very sensible approach, said Galinda with a good measure of uncertainty. She was still waiting for Ilfaba to elaborate and give a definitive answer. I always thought it would be preferable to be gay, rather than completely without love and desire. At least love is love, whomever you want. But where's the humanity in not loving anyone at all? It wasn't exactly the most reassuring reply Galinda could have hoped for, even if for a different reason than she'd anticipated. I don't think that you're incapable of love. Don't you love your sister, your friends? Who cares if you love anyone romantically? You do love, you are perfectly human. Elfaba laughed. It's true, I do love my sister. Too much maybe, and for no better reason other than that we're family and grew up together. And because she used to depend on me for, for everything, basically. We don't get along very well, I'm afraid, but I care for her and love her to bits. Which is a very human experience, Galinda eagerly pointed out. You're fine. Your emotions are natural and completely normal. It's late, Elfaba suddenly noticed. Shouldn't we be downstairs, having breakfast? We should, groaned Galinda as she tried to extract herself from her warm, cozy bed. Let me go and brush my teeth. I'll be ready in a jiffy. This time she didn't take her change of clothes with her when she disappeared into the bathroom. She left the door open as she first brushed her teeth, then applied her minimal makeup and tied her hair. In the meantime, she observed her roomie. She'd expected Ilfaba to remain preoccupied with her laptop, but obviously holding her to the promise that they'd leave for breakfast shortly, she'd already stowed it away and was fiddling with her phone instead. This didn't change Galinda's plan though she felt a tad more self-conscious now than she'd thought she would. She sashayed over to her suitcase and found herself a long woolen jumper and a pair of light wash jeans. Without much ceremony, she pulled her lacy nightgown over her head, then belatedly remembered to search the front compartment of her bag for a bra. Somehow, she didn't dare looking in the direction of the mirror until after she'd slipped into her jumper. She grinned when she found Ilfaba staring her way. She wondered how long she might have been watching. Had she enjoyed the show, or had it been nothing but the naked shock that had drawn her eyes? Or curiosity perhaps or? Unfortunately, the grin had given her away, and Elfaba averted her gaze swiftly, looking rather uncomfortable. There was going to be no telling her motivations or thoughts and Galinda felt a pang of disappointment. 
It wasn't that she'd wanted to seduce her or anything like that. Tease her maybe, but only in an attempt to learn something of value in regards to Alfaba's interests and feelings towards her. Perhaps interests and feelings that she wasn't even aware of herself. They didn't discuss the incident as they descended the stairs on their way to the salon. All they talked about was how Alfaba would have to help herself to the food on the buffet table, but allow Puggles to pour tea for her, no matter how silly it seemed to her. Galinda's parents were both waiting for them, though her father left soon after their arrival in order to get to work in his office. Lorena stayed, however, inquiring after their opinions on the plans she'd made for the day. Galinda found the change in her parents' behaviour towards Ilfaba subtle, but it wasn't understated enough to go unnoticed by the green girl herself. She told her not to worry, and to take it as a good sign, then left it at that. Hopefully, the reason behind this shift wouldn't become too apparent as the day progressed. Lorena accompanied them to town later that morning and they had lunch at a small restaurant that offered fresh, regional food. Galinda used to enjoy shopping in Frotica, but too accustomed to the big city these days, she couldn't find anything she really needed. She bought Alfaba an old-fashioned pen that they'd spotted in the window of an antique store, and that was about it. Footy they stopped by a cafe at the busy marketplace. It was just warm enough for ice cream, and Galinda insisted they share a sundae. Today wasn't too bad, she said as she stood in front of the mirror and reached behind her back to unclasp her necklace. Mumsy has, without a doubt, taken a shine to you. She bit her lip after saying that, unsure whether it was wise to draw attention to the fact. Elfaba herself pulled off the jumper she'd worn over her t-shirt and replied with a soft grunt. They seem like nice people. But I don't know why they would make such an effort to impress me. They aren't. All they want is for us to have a good time as a family. You're just tagging along and they don't mind. But it's not because of you. Ha! Huh. Elfaba sat down and started up her laptop. I guess I'm not used to this kind of stuff. The only family time I know is joint scripture studies and rehearsals. Rehearsals. I've been cursed with a passable voice, so my father made me sing hymns during his service. Galinda didn't know why she was surprised. You sing? Please, Elfie, can I hear? No chance, replied Ilfaba and laughed. How about you? I imagine you sound like an angel. Me? Oh Lurleen, no. Never received singing lessons then. I wasn't interested, said Galinda, shaking her head. I used to play the piano a bit, but haven't in a long time. Would you sing if I play? Another time, decided Ilfaba and changed the topic. Sunday breakfast was their final meal at the Grand House. Galinda had set her alarm this time so they would make it downstairs by nine. And you girls are sure that you don't want to stay until after lunch, asked Highmuster as he finished off his plate. Galinda bobbed her head. I'm afraid so. We both have tests tomorrow and most of our assignments are due today by midnight. That's a shame. Well, I hope you'll be back for a few days when the semester is finished. For an entire week, if you'll have me, promised Galinda and her parents laughed. You might want to discuss that with Ilfaba, chuckled Lorena and Galinda paused with her spoon midway to her mouth. Out of the corners of her eyes, she noticed her friend fidgeting in her seat, but before either of them could say anything, her father had already addressed her. 
You're welcome to stay with us whenever you like, Ilfaba, he said warmly. I'm overjoyed that you and Galinda, get along so well. Galinda's cheeks were burning with embarrassment. But before you travel back to Shiz, may I inquire about your great-grandfather's health? We see him so seldom, and he must be close to a hundred now. While Alfaba's hand stilled and tightened around the fork she was holding, she gave few other visible signs of irritation. Galinda on her part was mostly confused and slightly concerned. We aren't in regular contact with him, Alfaba said in the end, her tone even, but her back as rigid as a board. I believe he must be hale and hearty, or otherwise we surely would have heard. Naturally, agreed Highmaster and probed no further, undoubtedly sensing his guests, as well as his daughter's agitation. How do my parents know your grandfather? demanded Galinda as they made their way up the stairs. Elphaba's first response was to quicken her steps, leaving the blonde to scramble in order to keep up. Elfie. He's my great-grandfather, and it's really not a big deal, snarled Elphaba, doggedly marching ahead. If it's not a big deal anyway, you could simply tell me, rebutted Galinda, struggling for air. A couple of steps later, she found herself forced to stop in order to catch her breath. Face flushed from the exercise as much as frustration, she watched the taller girl take the remaining stairs two at a time. Alfaba. Groaning and throwing her hands up, Alfaba halted after reaching the top. Come then and we'll discuss it if we must. I'd rather this didn't end in a shouting match with our voices echoing through the entire castle. Castle, muttered Galinda to herself but saved her breath for making up ground. When she finally drew level with her, Ulfaba gave her one cross look before taking off towards her room. She didn't speak before the door was firmly closed behind them. After that, she didn't waste another second. My great-grandfather, on my mother's side, is somewhat of a public figure and well-known, she told her while pacing the small room. Depending on who you talk to, I suppose. You might have heard of him, Peerlessthrop. Galinda's jaw dropped in disbelief. You, you are related to the eminent Throps. To the family that used to rule Munchkinland almost single-handedly. Well, it's not like that anymore, is it, replied Ilfaba tersely. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Are you? In line for the eminency yourself, wondered Galinda, looking at her from different angles as if she'd never truly seen her before. This new revelation was simply too unforeseen to be grasped. What is it to you? Why would you care? I'm trying to make sense of it, that's all, said Galinda, crossing her arms and leaning against the wardrobe behind her. Especially since you're... Poor, asked Elphaba and scoffed. Well, first of all, the Throps' affluence has diminished considerably over the last century. I'd call them moderately wealthy at best. They aren't the ableist speculators or business people, but retain some influence over local policymaking and the like, which does have certain advantages. As far as my parents are concerned. When my mother married, my father wasn't exactly the candidate the family had hoped for. They decided to provide them with a decent stipend nonetheless, but at some point, my father resolved that he could no longer reconcile his faith with my great-grandfather's politics. We've always had enough to get by, but not much more than that. She shrugged. Now that the family has split up, most of the money goes to my sister, 
who is not only his favorite, but also requires the extra funds to pay for physiotherapy and general care. Her care? Galinda frowned and cocked her head. Have I never told you? Of course I haven't. Scratching the back of her neck, Elfaba exhaled a long breath. My sister was born without arms. She needs assistance. Nanny, who's been with the family for so long that she even raised my mother, looks after her full time, but that's not all. They will move to Shih soon, as you've heard. She'll need an accessible apartment and stuff like that. It all costs money. There's nothing left to splurge on me, so I had to work for everything I needed. That's not very fair, is it? It's life. I'm not complaining. Galinda remained quiet for a moment and thought. How, did my parents recognize you in the end? I never told them your family name. The Green, ventured Ilfaba. People involved with the upper crust habitually poke their noses into each other's business, do they not? Galinda supposed that wasn't entirely incorrect. Of course they would want to know who inherits what and what future heirs could be persuaded to match with their own offspring. Your parents and everyone else probably were bound to hear about a mysterious green child in the Throp lineage. You are in line for the eminency then, pressed the blonde, unable to help herself. She regretted her persistence when Ilfaba's face grew darker again. Next in line if you absolutely must know. But you don't really expect me to ascend to the throne, so to speak, do you? She barked a mirthless laughter. No, I suppose I'll pass up on that honor for my sister's sake. Tragically beautiful as she is, she'd be a better figurehead, if not a better politician. But why? Galinda began to protest. Yet before Elfaba could reply, she shook her head and waved her hand, signalling to her that she didn't require an answer to this question. Instead, she thought about the implications this might have. Would it affect them, would it affect Elfaba's pregnancy and the child? Would the child affect Elfaba's hereditary title? She supposed if abdication had always been the plan, it did not, but. Why do you hide your ancestry and your title, she asked. Don't you know how much easier your life would be if? My life is easier if I can effortlessly distinguish friend from foe, snapped Ilfaba. I don't need a groveling following of friends who'd only exploit whatever benefit I could offer without intending to return such favours or loyalty. I have no need for respect that is based on a fancy name rather than my personal qualities. Galinda knew fully well how right Ilfaba was about that. She herself had always found it difficult to make friends with the more, well, common folks. Even if she left them in the dark about her pedigree, the wealth of her parents had always been obvious. Socializing with the children of other rich and powerful families had been easier in that regard but still hard work. Given the unique challenges she faced, however, Elfaba would benefit more than others from her heritage if she made it known. But what? She bit her lip, reluctant to share her thoughts. In the end, however, she could not hold it back. What about us, Elfie? The green girl looked startled, like a deer in the headlights. Us? Her face flushed beautifully and Galinda wondered what exactly was going on in her head. Unfortunately, she knew that she couldn't possibly push her in that direction, so she cleared her voice and simply clarified her original idea. You see, there is this Vincan guy in my arch class. Elfaba frowned, 
probably unsure what he had to do with anything. I I was friendly with him when it was just the two of us. I'm not biased this way. Biased? What way? His ethnicity, his skin tone. I remember a virgin girl in my school when I was 12 or 13. She only stayed for a year, then left. Some kids said not at all covertly, mind you, that her skin was the color of shit. If you ask me, that's a shitty opinion, I'll fab a bit back. Without a doubt. But the memory stayed with me, and I was reluctant to get too involved with Fiero. Fiero. If anything, Ilfaba's eyes had grown even wider, though Galinda wasn't sure how that was possible. Yes, she said nervously and pressed her folded arms harder against her fluttering abdomen. What, what about him? Her friend's gaze remained trained on her for a few moments before she relaxed slightly and looked away. Nothing. I thought it was an unusual name for a Vincan, that's all. Has a certain, I don't know, Evian ring to it, don't you think? I, wouldn't know, said Galinda, shaking her head. She watched her friend for another clock tick before licking her lips and continuing. At any rate, Averick found out that he is a Vincan noble, and fancy that he is accepted into the circle as if it was the most natural thing in the world. I can talk to him, Elfie, she said, then leapt forward to grasp her hand and shake it imploringly, and no one even bats an eyelash. It could be the same for you, Elfie. For us. We could walk to class together, we could meet in the library or even just greet each other when we run into each other on campus. Glyn, Glinda. After carefully peeling dainty, pale hands away from her own, Elfaba took a step back. I'm not going to flaunt my rank in order to garner any perks. If your cronies can't accept our friendship, so be it. I'm not going to give in and that is that. I do understand, I think. But I can't quite relate, I'm afraid. Maybe you never had a choice. I don't know. But I need you to accept my decision. And I think, we need to pack for our return trip. You're right, agreed Galinda and touched Ulfaba's shoulder before turning around. Crestfallen, she left the room, worried that she might have caused yet another rift between them. Their ride back to Shiz was a quiet one. Galinda had much to think about and, apparently, so did Ilfaba. Instead of relaxed and energized, they both felt more drained than they had before the weekend, and Galinda almost regretted visiting her parents, or at least dragging Elfaba with her. It had obviously not worked out as well as she'd hoped it would. When they arrived back home in the afternoon, she knew that she needed a nap. She parked the car and released a long breath before opening her door. I've got a headache, she announced, rubbing at her temple. I think I'll go upstairs and have some rest. I'll grab the luggage later. Nonsense, replied Ilfaba and got out quickly. I'll help you get your bags upstairs, she called over her shoulder. Galinda hadn't lied, a lot of the stuff that had previously filled up her large, pink suitcase had been gifts and was gone now. It was a lot lighter now and easier to handle. Ilfaba carried it, along with two smaller bags all the way up to her room and left them in front of her door. You're a dear, Elfie, Galinda said as she offered her a fleeting, half-hearted smile. This time it was Ilfaba who grabbed her hand firmly and sought eye contact. We're okay, yes. You're not going to hold this eminency business against me, right? 
Her gaze was so intense that Galinda's tiredness momentarily evaporated. I, I thought you were the one who was upset with me. What? Elfaba chuckled softly, and the blonde was astonished how relieved she sounded. No, she said at last and smiled awkwardly. As long as you won't bring it up again. Infected by her smile, Galinda grinned. I promise. 